Hey, you are listening to BTS Podcast. I am your host, Lene Cook. On this episode of BTS, as you probably noticed in the title of it, uh, assuming that you read the title before you started listening to this, Drew DeCaro, who is a professional guitarist as well as an executive producer and a music producer, is on the podcast. Uh, Drew is a longtime friend of mine. We get into that during this conversation. Um, And somehow with the uh, amount of time that we were hanging out and talking, I forgot to ask him a major question, which is super important in my opinion, when talking to um, people with titles that I guess are a little bit nebulous to anyone who's not in the industry. And um, I forgot to ask him what he feels the difference between an executive producer and a producer producer, um, and by that I just mean flat out a producer, are. Um, A lot of times we hear people say, I'm a music producer, we see credits on albums saying that this is the producer for a song, and then this is the executive producer for an album. Drew recently was the uh, executive producer for the first time on two records, um, one with Vic Mensa, the other was Christian French's new record. Um, And so he shot me over an email and defined this for me. So I'm just gonna read off his email right now. Drew wrote, uh, in quotes, executive producer, is a title that is kind of ever-changing, sort of like the record industry as a whole. It's different one day to the next. It used to be that execs were managing the recording budget, business details, scheduling, big picture stuff. As to the work I do on a project these days, it's still big picture, putting little touches on all the records and seeing how they fit together as a whole, just being around throughout the process and helping guide the whole vision. It's easy for us to get lost in all the details of making up an album all the different people and feelings, and it's just sort of this huge living, breathing thing. So it's good to make sure someone is the, someone is keeping the goal well-defined at the end of it. And then he goes on to define a producer. And he says, whereas the work I do as a producer is way more zoomed in. What's the hi-hat pattern going to be? How does the bridge go? Should we harmonize this part or leave it as a solo vocal? Both roles, immensely important. Smiley emoji. So um, I appreciate him getting back to me on that. I think that that is really huge, just in knowing what those um, terms mean, whether you have friends that do this or you're thinking about being a producer yourself or whatever that is. Um, I think it's important to know the difference because it's nice to know things. Anyways, um, I hope you enjoy this episode. Just a quick reminder at the top of this, um, your support is super appreciated. It is how I can get sponsors and just, you know, help support me as a creator. Oh, creator sounds so weird. Creative, a person doing stuff. Anyways, um, I only plug services and products that I use and or believe in, like I've used them and I also like them enough to recommend them. Uh, And one thing that I love and use regularly is Hotel Tonight. They are great for last minute hotel bookings um, and they're just the level of hotels that they have on there is really great. Um, I've never had a like mediocre hotel experience with them and I've used them in big cities domestically and internationally as well as smaller cities um, like Santa Barbara. And they're just great. So if you use Cook 61 on your first hotel tonight booking, um, you'll save and then I'll save on my next hotel booking. Um, I try to, you know, be as like budget friendly when I travel, um, but sometimes I don't have friends I can stay with and or I also need space as a person and want to record a podcast, which 
you know, if I'm already staying with a friend, it feels um, a little bit imposing sometimes to then have somebody over to record a podcast in someone else's home. So anyways, you using that or sharing it with people to use my code would be great. Um, please do subscribe, rate, review, that helps. Share this with your friends. If someone you know wants to be in the music industry or in any other sort of industry or role that I have had people on um, as guests from, that's really a weird way to phrase it, but I think you know what I'm saying. Uh, please do share those episodes with them. Um, I do believe that information sharing is like how we all grow and can stand on the shoulder of giant, shoulders of giants, so to speak. Like we should all be, in my opinion at least, like helping each other out all the time with the information that we have and the tools that we have. Um, yeah, that's about it. I hope you enjoy this. The music that you're hearing right now is by Benjamin Bethurum. He is great. Uh, you can look him up. There is a link to his SoundCloud on the description, or I guess in the description of this episode. Enjoy. Welcome to BTS Podcast. This is Lene. I'm super excited to be here with my friend, Drew DeCaro. Am I, Drew, did I say your last name right? Uh, there is factions of the DeCaros who call it DeCaro, and there's other factions who call it DeCaro. Oh. My family is split on it. They can't seem to come to a conclusion. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> yes, they like to argue. I seem like they've made that up for one more thing to argue about. <laughs> That's beautiful. I've started to go with DeCaro because it damn near rhymes with guitar. And so that's as good a reason as any, oh, I think. Oh, Drew Guitaro. Yeah. Oh, Drew. At any rate, <laughs> I'm super happy to be here with Drew. We are recording on, dare I say, much fancier equipment than I typically record with. Uh, we are in his studio in just a little bit north of Hollywood, also known as North Hollywood. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Shining that spit shine just north of Hollywood. <laughs> Um, Just know the Hollywood in Bakersfield. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's all about branding, you know what I mean? Uh, as as my good friend Kevin Wolf once told me, it's just about branding when asked on how to be successful at anything. So I would totally agree with that. Well, he's very successful, so he went. Um, Drew and I have known each other for some time. He is and has been a touring guitarist for some time. And he's also an executive producer. He has been nominated for two Grammys, and he executive produce. He was you're the executive producer on Vic Mensa's new album, as well as Christian French's albums. Yes. Correct. More well, than one. these are my first two executive producer credits, okay. and they both happened in the same week, as it turned out. Beautiful. So they when happened over many months, but they both dropped this past week. Right. So this podcast is timely. Oh, well, hopefully it'll still be timely when so it comes out whenever shit. I'm done. <laughs> right. Whenever I'm done editing it and, yeah. and all that. Uh, Next year is a matter of hours away right oh, now. Dang don't dear. remind me. <laughs> Way to age this episode already. It's just shit. a few days before Christmas of 2018. Is that bad podcast etiquette? It probably is. No, because you know what? I recorded an episode with Karen Okonkwo, our, the first episode of this podcast, I think in July. And I was like, oh, no, this will launch in a few weeks. And then it launched in November. Yeah. So here we are. Well, I think I said it would launch in September. And then whatever. Time is just, you know, I think it's invented. It's a human construct. It's a human construct. And also, 
I just dig like vintage stuff. Mm. So it's cool to be. Is that why you're friends with me? <laughs> I yeah, because like check out your vintage vans. Actually, those are fresh. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't sure what it was, was going to come under the desk right there, but yeah, I don't know. I like stuff that's super urgent, but also kind of gives me anxiety, like being super up to date on what's happening right now. I like to yeah. read old books and have old beat up guitars and just take just my be time with slightly shit. outdated. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's a downside to it as well, but uh, there. Just that it's new is like not enough of a virtue. Agreed. To me. Yeah, you know? I think there is. There's also something to be said about things that withstand the test of time, um, and something that I wasn't there for. Yeah. So I can relive it. Like if it's right now and I'm in it and it's part of my uh, era, it's cool. I'm here. But there's a lot of stuff uh, to consume, mm-hmm. and so you just can't do it all. A- 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 you can't do it all immediately. Right. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you would also then do nothing. You would do nothing. This is, we're getting right into the existentialism <laughs> out of the gate, and this is what I need. <laughs> this is, I think, how all of our conversations go. <laughs> but I think, you know, it is, especially when you are a creative, really hard to stay. Um, like, in fact, I was thinking about on my way over here about making a calendar for myself. <laughs> to, of yourself. To, of myself. Yes. To show me, like, when to carve out time for consuming and when to carve out time for creating because it's so easy to just create and they get super tapped out and then not have any input that's mm-hmm. like changing the way you think about stuff because you're you're kind of just like I guess like grasping at thin air when you've just been outputting and outputting with no yeah. input like there's for sure stuff that you get inspired by and comes out of that but then on the flip side you can go like like I've seen some people go like oh I'm just gonna go get inspired and then they like read and like consume for a long time and then none of that turns into anything which maybe it does eventually right like right well that's part of the process and everybody has their own process so uh those of us who can just turn it on i think is like a fantastic gift turn on being inspired and like being pumped up but before i lose it i was gonna ask you did do you consider yourself a really organized person uh, like as you're making your calendar or are you on some like <laughs> super um, flighty artist type thing? I think. I bet um, you can guess which one I am. Oh, I can't imagine that I can, Drew. <laughs> um, because also you're, and maybe this has come with like just time, but you're more organized than a lot of artists I know. Like I've never seen you. Hmm. I've seen you kind of like not be productive for like in a sense for a certain amount of time, but you never. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> That's like a dagger. <laughs> um, but I feel like it's because you're figuring out what to produce, like what to do. Um, not yeah. because you're just like you have nothing, but you're just trying to figure out like which direction to go. I think that mm, I don't think that me being organized is inherent. Uh, I think it's like tools that I developed to like be able to get the things I want out of life. Way more respectable, in my opinion. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, I mean, some people do have it inherently, but like right. if you're um, just making a really concerted effort to do that, I think that yields serious results. I've also scaled back on some parts of being organized because I realized that some of it was also not being productive. So like, there's some levels of organization like when I was and I think part of this too may also been me as a kid trying to like 
find some rhyme and reason to things and make things stable for myself when I felt like there was a certain amount of instability. Mm. Um, or perhaps because my parents were really strict and so I wasn't allowed to do a lot, so I would just find things to do. But like, I would fall apart at the seams at cleaning my room because I couldn't just clean my room. Like, I would empty out every drawer and then fold like my underwear mm-hmm. and organize everything and then like. God forbid I had like a piggy bank because folding female underwear is OCD as hell. (laughs) Absolutely. There's literally no point. And if I were to vacuum my room, all the lines had to be a specific way. And then at a certain point I went like, Mm. wait, what am I doing this for? Like, I think maybe it was a form of procrastination. I don't know, but it would take me like eight hours to clean my room as a kid because I think I I would. Yeah. I don't know. I would get into like, you know, the, the things that, uh, what are those things called that your closet slides in? Tracks? Yeah, I would get into the tracks with like a Q-tip and tweezers. I like, don't relate. Never mind. <laughs> like it was very extreme, <laughs> but I think it was just me not really understanding what the request was mm. when really the request was like, hey, make your bed and just put things away where they belong. And I, to me, it had to be like a complete overhaul. Your folks were after aesthetic early on. <laughs> right. They're like, sweep the shit under the bed <laughs> yeah. and then do your homework, you know? Right. And you're like, oh, you want me to clean my room? Well, guess what? <laughs> yeah. You're not going to see me through three I, days. I treated cleaning my room in the way that like people should be approaching like how to solve homelessness mm. <laughs> because like I was like this is a complex issue with yeah. many problems well at that age too I'll give you some credit because your room was that's like your first domain right and um you know my room too was like where I discovered the guitar and my favorite yeah, music and same. like the posters I had on my wall I'm gonna tell you this this is total tangent but there used to be this magazine called nintendo power okay. might, might still be a magazine and it would tell you like little tips and tricks for video games and there were always tons of posters in it you know the fold outs this is before i was hip to the playboy playmate fold out this mm. is pre playboy playmate nintendo which Powers. came first do you think <laughs> the, like to, to me to, i was a nerd and i maybe have never set that aside but uh the walls of my room were adorned with kick-ass posters from nintendo power Mm. and it was mine and then one day i come home and my two little sisters had just destroyed it these two who have become my best friends but at that point it was war and they tore it all down and those posters were free and they were torn out of a magazine doesn't matter they were yours exactly so there it is, and clearly I've not let it go. Yeah, my first lie was about peeling the wallpaper off the wall. Your first lie? My first like remember. You lie. remember this? Wow. I haven't. You are. A I real have a angel. weird. I have a weird. I was probably three. <laughs> oh my! <that laughs> or was four. Getting started early. No, I must have been like four. Maybe I was four or five. It was like my first for real lie. Yes. There, you know, like of course I'm sure I had the other lies as a kid, but that was like the first for real one. And the wallpaper was like for sure above my bed, but my brother and I shared a room at the time and he was maybe like two, like he for sure was barely like walking and stuff. And I definitely blamed it on him. Yeah. And did it go over? No, they Mm. knew. They knew it was not a That's why you remember it as your first lie because you didn't get away with it. It would have become truth in your memory at this point if you got away with it. That's how we work. Oh, I, not we, you and I, but just like it is how I work. <laughs> yeah, just bad humans generally. Yeah, I would not categorize myself as a. So this is what it is. It's the <laughs> first lie you remember telling, for which you it's, got. I caught. think it was yeah. Well, I mean, but I also remember learning how to walk. 
So like I have a weird That's very strange But then I don't remember other things Like I had to be reminded that I had gone bungee jumping Because I forgot Huh So yeah I have a weird It's not even selective because trust me I don't like choose to remember the song order Of like a Smash Mouth album Stop it Yet I do Jesus Push you Ming Got a lot of play in my life Stop <laughs> but... while you're ahead You know I Do you think um, that I don't remember the name of the Like What's the scientific name for it But you know how some people remember Every single second of their life Yeah Cool. Good thing or bad thing Um, You know I don't think it's I think it's good and bad. Like, but how could it be bad? Because I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be cool. And I think a reason that I remember a lot of stuff as a kid was I had a lot of time to think because I wasn't allowed. I wasn't that busy. I was allowed to do a lot of stuff. So mm. I was just home a lot. But I grew up around a lot of old people. So at like the end of every day up until I was probably like eight or nine years old, I would replay everything that had gone on that day and try to name in my head everyone who was in my class that year, the year before, like down to kindergarten. And that kind of stuff would help me fall asleep. But it was also what I did because I grew up around a lot of old people who couldn't remember stuff. And I was like, I don't want to get like that. I'll just replay everything in my head at the end of every day. Dare I kick off the uh, The actual sexist? podcast? Oh. Dare, dare I kick <laughs> off the actual podcast where things get contentious and say that that seems like a utterly female trait? Um, I don't to, know. At the end of the day or beginning mm-hmm. or middle or throughout – be recounting every detail in vivid color and consider all of the different ways it could go or should go this type of like potentially yeah yes just surgical you know like anyhow i'm sure i'm sure men do it as well but i I mean i'm sure it's one of those things that's like uh, i don't I will say. Oh, no, I'm just saying, like, sometimes generalizations. I mean, there's that whole thing, right? I mean, I remember learning it in school for sociology where they were like, yeah, this is like the general rule, which means it doesn't apply to everyone. So, like, when we say X, Y, Z is typical, stop raising your hand and telling me about the one time you saw an exception, right? And I think that. that, like, that thing of, like, really thinking about human relationships, because I would think about all that stuff and I would think about what my funeral would be like a lot a ton from like four or five years old on like was regularly on my mind do you have something dialed in you should put it on wax right now because people will want to know and deliver for you so hit us man i have a lot of ideas it depends on you, how old i am have how, you written how it down I um it's in some my cousin and i were just texting about <laughs> if it's in an old composition notebook from sixth grade that no one's <laughs> ever gonna, gonna find yes. that cannot you mean you're all not gonna cherish my diaries <laughs> that's it. my life's work drew <laughs> yeah through that yeah well as, as you a, can learn about rj my crush from the fourth grade rj shout out to rj oh sounds like a badass did he skateboard um you know he wasn't but he played guitar so he didn't skateboard. The skateboarders were always on my radar, but I didn't really like you can only find do any one cute well. ones until the sixth yeah. grade. You can only play guitar great or skateboard great. You can't do two both of them well. That's not true. Never seen it happen. I mean, really, I could be two. My friend's husband, Remy Stratton, kick-ass skater. He's been a, he was a pro like through the late eighties and nineties. Okay, then he's a mediocre guitar and player. And he's in a he's in a rad band. He's a good guitar the player. The band could be he, rad. He's sponsored by Fender, I think. A lot of people are sponsored by Fender. Like he's a rad a, guitar obscene player. Seen amount of people, and I don't even. What's his name? <clears throat> Remy. Shout out Remy for being a multi 
you know, he's, a, a Renaissance he's, man. I mean, he is. He's but also I bet a really you Renny, great the Renaissance man, would even tell you, "Oh no, I'm not. I'm. I, I don't play guitar that well." Well, yeah, because he's a but, decent person. Yeah, with like and band dudes and kick ass bands. That's how they treat it. They're like, oh, "I don't even know how to play." So and yeah, and they're generally right. But, yeah. Well, I mean, but that's also just like. There are very few people who say that they're good at what they do and that I also like them as people. You're uh-huh. one of them because you are aware that you're good at what you do. And I like you as a person, but you also have put in like time and you're, it's like your profession. So it would be and weird. I go if you, around talking about it all. But it would be very time. weird if like as a touring guitarist who you've toured with. Well, most recently Vic Mensa and prior to that Miguel and like we met through Ski Talks, like that oh, yeah. project with DJ Ski. Oh, yeah. So you tour with a lot of people. So, like, in the same way that I would not get paid for what I do if I were like, no, 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 I'm not that good. Like, you have to say that you're good because you are. But also, Oof. you, how are you going to be like, yeah, you should work with me if, if you're Check like. Check it out. I have so many things <laughs> to add to this conversation because you know how I was just a moment ago musing that I don't sit at the end of the day and, like, recount in my brain. It was That was a lie. For sure, I spend a ton of time uh, pontificating. This era we are in, I think, really rewards self-congratulatory behavior. Yes, and it's frustrating. It is really frustrating, particularly because I think you and I come from an era just a scotch before Mm -hmm. where it was cooler to not care and it was cooler to be angsty. And that is Mm -hmm. also exhausting. Well, we come from a culture of that because... Even like think of the people before us, right? They would still there have always been those people that have found success financially somehow by like bullshitting their way through stuff. And I think we were taught a lot of that and just neither of us subscribed to it Mm. because I think about, you know, how many times have either of us heard like fake it till you make it and like, you know, you'll figure it out and like all that stuff. And like we've for sure uh, worked with some of these same people together who have an era and like vocalize their own self-importance and how good at they they are at stuff and and it really some, works and and it can really work that's just not who either of us are can't do it and i can't the thing is is that and i've tried it and like I to, i've got to get over being proud of it too. no i don't think like, so because i think a shit like nobody's <clears throat> giving us any more a trophy for humility there was a time no longer mm, so i think the difference is is that i need to be able to um, for me, it is that I, I've noticed that I have more respect for the people who are quieter about it. And so I need to be able for my own, like, self, whatever, be able to be that way. Because also I think the people that you attract by, like, being your own, like, whatever the equivalent of, like, a squeaky wheel is, when instead of complaining, you're just talking about how great you are. Uh, I chances are I probably don't want to work with those kinds of people that are attracted to that false sense of like importance. Yeah. Um, and I would much rather be like a quiet, like behind the, ugh, how corny behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's literally the name of the podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> Branding. Um, I would much rather, like I have so much respect for those stories that I've read with people where it's like, Oh, this is like quietly the producer of like all these hit records or like this super sensational, guy who's like specific to having an incredible audio library and like this designer who's behind all the stuff that you just don't know it tells me a lot that I have a lot more respect for those people 
than the people who are always talking about how great they are. Yeah. And so I don't want to for my just for me to respect myself, I can't feel that way. It's like my, I'll tell you my half baked response to that is I too love art we'll talk about artists because that's who I'm generally like um you know overthinking this about is like my business right of uh music and entertainment and artists who don't take themselves too seriously I feel like I really love Mm -hmm. as opposed to the ones who are out here on some like talking to money on the phone and like trying to make a point of how or however you want to characterize that like total lack of humility um I too like the sort of silent killer, but what I, as an artist and producer and creative, have to um, wrangle with is just because I am or have been like that doesn't mean that it's a virtue to like keep on being like that. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? It's not a virtue, but it's who you are. Like the game changes, the game changes, and like what we find to be valuable uh evolves and so i too can evolve and that doesn't mean that i have to like fundamentally change who i am or whatever mm-hmm. but you just try to find like okay there's these dudes that like you know whatever dj cow's on snapchat being loud and obnoxious and uh my my instinct is to find that to be just completely tasteless but the game changed and the game evolved and I too am part of the game and so I'm evolving and so you just try to figure out a way to be like, oh shit, that's cool and amusing. You know what? I'm not, I don't need to look for socially redeeming shit from DJ Khaled's Snapchat. I can look at it the same way that I looked at a Slurpee mm-hmm. where it's like there's literally zero, you, you just, I, this is not even a good characterization. Although DJ Khaled on Snapchat is a perfect example of what we're talking about but to articulate how i feel about it is a little bit more of a mess point being would you respect your people would you respect your fans though like if you knew that you had shifted to doing something similar like but your own version of that and then people recognize you and see you and are like well drew what's up you probably wouldn't like those people yeah it's hard i don't hate <laughs> my fans but right. i but there's because a, a lot yourself. of people's fans. Yeah, a lot of people's fans are uh, lack taste. You know what? This is a slippery slope. I don't even want to downplay They're anybody who loves what flavor. they love. Yeah, whatever they love, they love. I'll say it about Khaled that there was a perfect time and place for that level yeah. of ego stroking. Yeah, um, and fun because he has fun. He totally has fun, and that counts, and everybody does it their own way. Yeah. And you and I think that like we're on some real like slick shit and like that's I don't fun think to that. us. It's just it's just what I, I think like it. better. Yeah, it's like, just what I like yeah, that's cool. It's if taste. I were the thing is is if I were true to that and for real slick, I wouldn't have a podcast because I'd be like, No, 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 I can't just put it out there. Yo, perfect example. Having the podcast as being like what I have to say is worthy of people listening to. So it's Which your took little me microcosm. A long time to get here. To get there, yeah. Honestly, because I Straight thought of, I thought for a while about making this like in written form and I, I couldn't Honestly, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to get this same concept that I've been noodling on and kind of honing just over the course of ever since I thought about like hey, how come these people that I meet and are cool and these other people who I enjoy hearing stories from, like I only hear from them when a magazine decides to do it or whatever. 
like I want to get what they have to say out into the world and like share information and then written form wise I was like oh my god I have to make a website and then do all this stuff and then da 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 and then how do people find it and way like, more work way more work and I knew I would want it to be perfect and then I was but like the written word is great the written word is great um with such an abundance of it though I was like wait shouldn't I just do that for something that already has a following instead of trying just, to start my just own just publish your diary from middle school we were just talking call about the day diary. yeah just publish prior it. to starting yeah right just straight up do it god my cousin found mine and started reading it to me like last year and I that's great it took all physical control I had to not tackle her and rip it out of her hands because you would be embarrassed of it like it, it just this was many like, years on you know how some people are like I can't watch myself on screen or like I can't listen to my own voice I yeah. can do all that yeah hearing somebody read to me what I wrote down especially uh, then yeah oh man it feels like my uh, it feels like somebody i wish i could feel that i <laughs> wish i had a diary from that <laughs> era threw their hand inside of me and are like pulling and like not even pulling out my guts which would be like a much more humane way to go up but just slowly scrambling <laughs> them like it's terrible. i so wish that i had that but i do love nostalgia in all of the i shapes. love nostalgia yeah that and to me is not nostalgia. Nostal okay. Because that I mean, to me is, it is not nostalgia, like, but it's I like don't have a lot of respect version. for myself in certain areas okay. of my life. Okay. And that, that is one of them. Yes. So like nostalgia to me is I get stoked when I find like drawings I did or like I um I was a little bit of like a tyrant growing up. Like in general, I would like force my cousins to do these plays with me. And I then I at one point decided that the neighborhood kids needed to be in a band with me. And I wrote all the music yeah. ahead of time, approached them all, taught them how to play. Do these people know that you're a drummer of great repute? <laughs> a, false Was I supposed to keep that on the low? <laughs> I am a drummer I of, no, of no repute. I refuse. <laughs> I am a mediocre at best drummer with, you know, a lot of charisma. Okay, um, that counts. They did a uh, sidebar. They did a whole expose on Meg White on NPR yesterday. Really? Oh, that's on lovely. Meg fucking White drumming Mediocre. on NP fucking R. That's beautiful. It's in incredible. Uh, that's awesome. You know, actually, there's this band Potty Mouth, and I shot them uh, one of their shows and sat down with them and talked to them for this interview for Bands in Town. And they are actually who pushed me to be more comfortable with, like, playing in a band properly again because they had read uh god what is her name vivian i think from the slits i don't know her name anyway so they read her book and they were talking about how she'd said like she was feeling that same way of like oh i can't put myself out into the world until like my craft is perfect and then she was like wait it's an old school approach it is indeed for Back sure it's to like, what we we're saying yeah. um you have to watch every you have to let everybody watch you fail at this point which yeah, in fact, I've thought about start like getting on Twitch and then just streaming me learning how to play piano, and like that would let everyone totally go. I it think would, it'd be cool because like I can play, like I could even do guitar like because I did play a little bit as a kid, so I have like a few of the fundamentals down, and I already have a guitar. I wouldn't have to buy one, whereas like a keyboard, I'd have to buy one. But I've just been thinking about streaming that and just being like, yeah, you could just watch me mess up all the time. I think that'd be a great social experiment. Yeah, same. I'll do that. <laughs> Soon. And at the end of it, even if it sucks, you learned how to play. I learned how to play guitar. guitar. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. Um. Oh. So, anyways, uh, the lady from the Slits in her book, she talked about how she was feeling that way, and then she was like, "Wait, like 
the Sex Pistols aren't good at playing their instruments. They just play. Like these other bands, these like bands that guys are in, they're not like, hey, I need to be perfect. They just go out there and do what they want. Why do I? And that made me go like, yeah, why am I so? Like yes, that? the punk rock aesthetic. So shout is, out to Potty Mouth for yeah, inspired. For yeah, inspired by Viv, inspired by Sex Pistols, and totally. on and on it goes. Yeah, but yeah, that punk rock aesthetic <laughs> is actually, you know, it's such a cool thing to bring up because as I'm sitting here. Um, criticizing it on one hand that's exactly what punk rock is is like just celebrating your perfect fucked up i don't yeah. know why i like it better when it comes through the um medium of punk rock than when it comes to the medium of djs but well it says about something about who i am i guess. i i think also hmm to me it's like in the spirit of punk rock and in the spirit of and and punk to me in general does not just mean rock like that to me like to me a lot of what odd future does and especially at the beginning is very punk totally they're amazing like punk shoe designers Yeah, yeah for sure so um it's a different thing wait can we switch gears what was your Anytime. first show uh santana and jeff no Beck. no no that you performed Oh, that I performed? <laughs> yeah. Oh, was your first performance not with Carlos Santana? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Get uh, off my podcast. It's been <laughs> uphill ever since. Uh, the first show <laughs> that I ever played was sixth grade. No, eighth grade. Somewhere in middle school at Morgan Reed's birthday party mm. at the um, the clubhouse in our neighborhood. In Baltimore? Yeah. Outside Drew's, of Baltimore. Drew's but. from maryland yeah baltimore maryland yeah this was uh outside of just south of baltimore but um me and my breast my best friend brad ray uh <laughs> i'm only laughing because the guy i'm in a band with we have a joke of just always uh calling each other our, be- our uh, best br- friends. breast friends yeah sorry yes, and also a child Freudian Keep going. <laughs> um we had a band four-piece band it was called plaid and we played yeah it was very right on point right because like pearl jam was all the rage and you just had had a kick-ass plaid flannel shirt but uh yeah we played at that clubhouse and recently i found a photo of it too oh my god really yeah we played four songs and i'll always remember exactly what four they were there were two of our originals Mm -hmm. and then uh green day uh Brain Brain Stew Brain Stew Oh such a good That's one of my favorite Green Day songs And Silver Chair Shade I believe Which is a great song That everybody should go listen to Right now If you missed that I will do era. that You know I might just uh, Slip it in a moment S- of it Spectacular song Written by like 16 year old dudes And it is Absolutely Top level artistry You know I remember Silver Chair I remember yeah. liking them Still doing it Daniel Johns is still uh, A really cool artist Still releasing records And just doing His whole That's thing amazing Yeah So I yeah we played Those four songs And at the time I was not interested In girls really I, I had found Whoa, The guitar must so be I was, nice I, was, I know <laughs> yeah. I've been boy crazy Wish Since like birth I think I was born Just being like Let me meet a man It's what allowed me To do take the guitar up if i had been super into girls i think i probably would have been distracted but at that time yeah the proud to say that there was no ulterior motive to playing that show and like betting some 
chick. It was really just. To... <laughs> I should hope not in the sixth grade. Oh yeah. Well, shit, man. I mean, these <laughs> kids are crazy these days. Um. Yeah. So plaid. That was what was it. the first show you got paid for? Uh, well, early on, or at least in that part of the world, the East Coast, Mid-Atlantic, and in that part of the music industry where bands were really a thing, um, we would get paid, but it all went into the pot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like for all those early shows when I was in Baltimore playing with my uh, local bands, uh, X-ray yeah, but like, science. surely so we you did not paid. get paid for that sixth grade show. I did not. Right, that's so, what I mean. So shortly thereafter, we started getting paid to play shows, but I never saw any of that money. We would like keep it and then try to buy new gear, try right. to pay for the CD to be recorded because there were CDs at the time. And um, so yeah, that I never made any money. I guess the first time that I was like paying my bills to play okay to, like getting out there and like really making money um was not so long ago really john west there's this artist john west who is still a friend of mine we still make records and he was one of the first guys to really take care of the band we were all very diy super indie driving up and down california to play shows in the drummer's mom's station wagon but john always had like 200 bucks a man at the end of the show at least That's to awesome. kick people down so he was like one of the first dudes uh so then to, that like, was after you moved to la that was in la i don't think in baltimore i mean in baltimore like i'm saying we were making money but not as individuals have you ever had a normal band. job yeah really yeah that's crazy to me i've only ever known drew guitar my normal jobs were these i probably count them on one hand first i was a dishwasher at o'shea's pub now defunct uh because it turns out that the chick bartender was um like grifting from everybody oh. and they just burnt the place down but Damn. at o'shea's pub is where i met my drummer and my singer of my first heavy metal oh, band. Oh, that's so rad. You were in a metal band? Oh, so metal. Oh, heavy that's beautiful. Heavy metal. So I did that, and then uh, I worked at Ace Hardware for a hot second, mm -hmm. mostly because I was a little klepto, and that was a place where Not you could steal a bunch of stuff to bring back to the band shed. That's where we got yeah. all of our extension cables, all of our like various fittings for the air conditioning <laughs> out in the shed. Like I straight up fitted our band place by working at ace hardware and then third job is i sold art out of the trunk of my car where we would show up to this gallery in the morning fill, put as many pieces of framed art as you, i'm proud of this too because it's a weird ass thing to do <laughs> and we would fill our cars up with all this art and it was cool art too it was like dali and just dope dope shit and then you just drive around baltimore and try to sell it to people that is Wow. Yeah, and then I moved to California. Then you moved to California. Yeah. And you moved here. Did you know anybody when you moved here? How old were you? Yeah, I was like 19. Okay. So, like, at that, in my opinion, at that age, moving places is, like, way less scary because your frontal lobe still hasn't finished forming and you're still just, like... I didn't think I was moving forever. I thought I was coming for, like, three months. Oh. I tricked myself. My mm. mother, in retrospect, is like, oh, we always knew you weren't coming back. I was like, really? Because I wasn't lying. I thought I was coming back. My band at the time, we had just released an album. Mm -hmm. Were you signed at all? No. Okay. So there was no buddy like that, paying for that anything. needed me to come back except for me and my guys. So yeah, oh, there, were, there okay. were no powers at B. But all I wanted to do was come out here and get away from my ex girlfriend <laughs> for a little bit mm, because she was 
too close and she wasn't doing anything except living her life but i was always hearing about it and it just pissed mm. me off to no mm -hmm. end and so i was like fuck it i'm going all the way to california gonna ride this out a couple months and i'll be right back and i i didn't go back okay cool um i tried to bring my band out right because right. they, they felt abandoned yeah, but I was like, you did abandon them. I did sort of, <laughs> but what I ended up doing was my one other real job was I started bartending at Viper Room. This right. may be before we met, but it was it's not that long sure ago. It's for sure before we met. So this is maybe like, I don't know, within the past five to seven years. And I was like bartending there. And then I was booking shows at Viper Room. And I just told my boys into a science, I was like, just get here. Like, we can headline Friday night at what I still think is the coolest club on Sunset Strip, just get here. And these motherfuckers, who I still love, never made it. Yeah. And it turns out that moving here and having that test of their, you know, like, Like grit, how committed are you? Yeah. Yeah, is the best thing I could have done. I would have rode it out in Baltimore for forever, always thinking that they wanted it in the same way that I did. Mm -hmm. uh, but as it turns out, they wanted it in a different way than me. And so it was a gr very immediate way to figure out that, uh, <laughs> like, you know, you're on your own. Yeah. That is the one thing we all have in common is we are all is on our Is we're our damn house. Although my whole experience of life pursuing music and shit has been wanting to achieve the band dynamic, mm, the mm -hmm. togetherness the brotherhood, sisterhood yeah. of four to six oh, that mofos. Is a big band. Jesus. It could be three, but I like a lead guitarist to be able to uh, rip and yeah, I like a good, I like a singer to be able to get away from the mic stand. Yeah. So I have those like prerequisites. Because Drew also, uh, in case you've haven't had the pleasure of watching Drew perform live, he also is like charisma three on stage. Like a lot of just movement. yeah like full energy leave that humility at the at side stage <laughs> yeah that is where for sure that's my moment where his chill you know disappears is, i sometimes think that the having but it's beautiful you, you don't seem i've watched people who clearly are like uh it is a forced energy yeah but you're just stoked to be out there and yeah. it's awesome because yeah. you're it's and very it, honest. it adds a lot like every time i've seen you with any show you really bring you let people who might have been like oh is it you know because there's i think especially with social media and all that people are in their heads sometimes and like is it like cool for me to have fun and like whatever and you do make it for audience members yeah. to go like oh yeah i should have fun too yeah like i think that's the uh the mo i think that's like the mission statement of a live show is to set the audience free Ideally, yeah, yeah, but not everybody does that. No, no, it's really hard to do. Yeah. Or at least it is really, uh, maybe it's not always hard. I don't think it's always hard because you, like, I mean, I've been to. It's just the best is all it is. It is great. Sometimes and especially hard, when you not. can, when you can get people there without the, the foundation of those people having to already be like wasted. That's huge. True that. Because there's been shows where I've been like, wow. I mean, because I, uh, listeners probably don't know this unless they know me like pretty well but i don't really ever drink 
Like very rarely do I have a drink. She just turned down. I offered her some whiskey and she said no. Which, by the way, is this, this man who typically has good taste has a bottle of Jim Beam. Watch what you say about Jim Beam. In a plastic bottle. It is plastic. Next that, to I'm him, not into that. But. And he pulled it he pulled it up out of nowhere as I genuinely thought it was like antifreeze or something for a car. Jim Beam is way better bourbon than it gets credit for. Well, I wouldn't know. Yeah, I genuinely know. never tried. So you just have to take my word on. Yeah, it. I'll believe you only because I don't remember seeing that around like the party house that I lived in in college. Check this. So I was gonna tell you where it came from. We had a session in here the other day, and the the artist uh, kid Indigo's manager was here. And he says, yo, you should go get a bottle. And in talking about that, I relayed this anecdote of something to do with Jim Beam. I don't remember what, but I have plenty of anecdotes with it because I quite like it. Mm -hmm. And so he left to get the bottle. Mm -hmm. He comes back. The manager's pretty well to do. And he's bought everybody their own bottle. And of Jim Bean or like no, their own specific He alcohol. just was freestyling. Oh, cool. So my partner who was here, I think my buddy Ray was working with me. He got a very glass bottle of Jameson. Mm-hmm. Kid, he got, I don't remember what he was drinking, but something in glass and really nice. And this manager... <laughs> bless his heart who thought he was like paying attention to my story about Jim Beam he thought he was doing the right thing gives me the plastic (laughs) you know straight what what is it you buy it at it looks very much like someone under a bridge drinking out of a paper bag and I'm like I would have done the Jameson and I was like you know what from here on out when I tell stories I had to just always of, of liquor you just choose the best one in the uh, hopes that somebody thinks they're going to do you a solid and they come you know what i mean like don't tell them my the stories story. are like i was a little buzzed off kombucha the other day oh the and get some free me. kombucha for yeah, sure because i do i drink so rarely that a, a strong kombucha will get me i drink more regularly and kombucha takes me there every time Thank you. I'm glad I'm not alone. People think I'm crazy. And no, I, my, total head change. Uh, Orion once brought me, I was doing laundry, and he like. Do we name me, drop him on this podcast? We do today. Yeah. Is he a <laughs> recurring character? No, he's not of actually. Woes. No, no woes. This <laughs> okay. is a great. Okay. He was like being very generous, and I was doing laundry, and he delivered some kombucha for me to like have while I was, because it was when, uh, when we were living in San Francisco, and, you know, being the good boyfriend that he was, brought That's me a, a bottle of kombucha, what? super generous, and I had to call him like 30 minutes later and was like, I am too drunk to to carry this laundry home on my own. Oh, you that's great. To... Like you got that. Yeah, I don't get that. Wasted. I was like, I was like, I am bust. Like, what? I probably hadn't eaten it all that day. Like, who knows? But um, what's your uh, where are we at? What what do you have here? Brew doctor? Because you should. <laughs> well, this is. Yeah, this is brew doctor. Yeah. I you should be getting like your sponsor. Yeah, for sure. Should I be like here? I actually I do. Sometimes I get a growler and I go get it filled up because I have an aversion to like the waste created by the amount mm-hmm. of bottles of kombucha I'll go through. I don't yeah. really like it. So I try to get. A growler filled up. Because in Seattle, you can go. Just, it's on tap everywhere you go. I go to a like a spot called Conan's Diner, which is like a artisanal kind of like uh, 
hipster fancy like general store where but they also which i love have candy in those like glass jars that you can scoop out mm-hmm. and i'm a huge black licorice fan like i love black get licorice. out of yeah, here I'm like, I'm like so those old. type of candies where there's black licorice in the middle and the outside is oh, still so they do have the british yellow. all sorts the british all sorts are one of my favorites but i oh yeah that is probably right on brand with you but it's <laughs> very strange nobody listening can relate <laughs> No, nobody, nobody who knows how to use a smartphone in general can relate. <laughs> Anybody who knows how to access a podcast is like, what are you talking about? Are you on the Twizzler fam or Ew, Red no, Vine no, fam? No, 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 neither. I want like right because you're black. No so sugar you're, you're option C. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. everybody is either I'm option Twizzler like cowboy. Or... Like I probably it mm. would be more on brand if I like dipped in stuff. Oh yeah, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, like that. I That's mean, a thing you're also that talk- people do sometimes still. <laughs> yeah. God bless it. I mean, I'm also like it, when I do drink, I basically like when I do drink alcohol, it's like vodka on the rocks, and yeah. that's basically all I'll do because yeah. I I don't like masking it because I'm like no I I will like uh, I'm the same way I want to I want to taste it I want to taste it yeah. I want to be aware of how drunk I'm getting totally um I do like mojitos. I do like margaritas on occasion, See now. but they're too sugary. I have to be somewhere where I know that there's but not the a bunch right, of sugar. But the right, yeah, the right. If it's made well, it's not <clears> too sugary yeah. at all. Yeah, and I mean, so my friends and I do this uh, thing called Artists for Progress in Seattle, where we uh, curate art shows, auction off the art, and then the money goes to like we've supported the ACLU, um, cool. Northwest Immigrant Rights Project, stuff like that. Mm. And Rachel's Ginger Beer uh, sponsored us, and I didn't realize that the Moscow Mules were premixed. Ooh. And the I love ginger beer. Like I drink ginger beer a lot. And uh, you know I what got, it goes well with, Jim Beam. Go on. <laughs> Noted. I got wasted because I was like seven or eight cups in before I even. And I was like, why do I feel so weird? Was I that? Because I'd just gotten back from China, so I thought like I'd literally landed back from China like the night before, and immediately had to like get ready, help out as much as I could with that art show, and do the art show. So I was like whoa exhaustion is hitting me this is why i'm wasted but as it turns out you just were just drinking a shit ton of vodka right and i said to one of my friends like whoa i feel really weird i don't know what's going on and she was like well you've had like five or six of those i was like yeah it's ginger beer do you think it's just the sugar and she was like they're pre-mixed yeah you're drinking moscow and i was like oh you're saying five or six because you only got here two hours ago and really i'm on like (laughs) seven or eight and not to mention at that many moscow mules is like a deathly amount of sugar too oh god yeah that'll just really fuck you up like that'll fuck you up. i was awake and drunk until like three in the morning i had a great night because i don't i I don't get really hung over ever me neither like i don't really i just don't really care that much about drinking and i will not drink unless i'm already in a good mood i don't have anything else i want to do that night and i had like you know what I mean? Like the stars, and I know how I'm getting home. I trust everyone. You're around. one of the most dangerous. Um, or a couple of my friends' weddings. And oh, I thought really you meant great. at his wedding. No, not, okay. a, not at Miguel's wedding. <laughs> Certainly, there's plenty of people there that could vie for that position. But um, at Andy Grammer's wedding, I was able to give the speech, and my buddy Josh. Did you wedding. tour with him also? Yes, I thought so. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Okay, but with wait, at, we at, have to after this. We have to actually talk about your job. Okay. But finish the story. Yes. Uh, what was so cool about Miguel's wedding, besides the fact that the music was insane and the food was insane, was that uh, he could have had it be a star-studded event. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was actually a bunch of homies and family who has been there with him on this considerable That's ride. Awesome. Yeah, it was crazy. If I were him, 
I would have for sure had Beyonce there like 100%. Like, why not flex like that? Like, that's my type of of non-humility. It's like, let's go. <laughs> this is my wedding. Like, everybody comes. I want Bruno singing the I Think I'm Gonna Marry You song. Like, I want all the shit, You're you wild. know? And uh, he t- or, and, and her and Nas, to their credit, um, it was literally a bunch of people who know them really well. Well, yeah, and that's really also care. so much less stressful. Like planning a wedding is already so stressful. You right. also don't want the added stress of like PR. Yeah, yeah. They took everybody, especially in a relationship. Phones, like that's just a gnarly great. way to start a relationship. Like yeah. to start like a marriage. A marriage yeah. with like the stress of of that. So well, I learned. I even came away from it going like, you know what? I don't. I no longer need like so, some sort of um, red carpet wedding. Yeah, as long as it's people there who really care about us. And maybe to everybody that is so goes without saying, but I don't really dream about weddings so much that I'm that shocked. comes obviously. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I was just like, oh, wow, this can just really actually be a celebration of your relationship and, and not and just, something. To me, it's also like a celebration just everybody who made either of you who you are. And like this also may come as a shock, but I don't dream about weddings at all. I more of just like mm. have panic attacks about the idea of <laughs> kicking that can right down the street. Yeah. I'm like, Oh man. Oh man. Think of all the people. Well, that would be mad if I, they don't get placed at certain tables and like, yeah, who will do what? Um, anyways, do you, okay. So you moved to LA fast forward you start going on tour you went on tour you said with john west john west which wasn't really touring so much but we were traveling okay and then andy grammar yep you we my first real tour tour was chrisette michelle who is a kick-ass soul r&b artist okay and uh that was how i came to be considered an R&B like axe slayer among how a bunch of rock guys. Find a good, like I assume it's literally just like word of mouth is how people find. A this was such a twist, man. They really twisted me on this one. For, what happened was I used to host this weekly jam at House of Blues, mm-hmm. RIP House of Blues on Sunset wow, Strip. Yeah. And uh, it was an R&B hang. And we had the horn section. We had a bunch of vocalists. And every week on Sunday, all of the touring musicians who were in town would come. And we'd play Eric Badu tunes and Earth, Wind & Fire and Michael Jackson and shit. It was just like a rad party at Mm -hmm. the House of Blues. And for a few years, I did that. And so through that, I came to know a lot of the guys who were and girls who were on tour. Mm -hmm. But I was the in-town dude. I was hosting that event. And really, I didn't grow up in the gospel church or around a bunch of R&B music. So I really was kind of finding my way. I still Mm -hmm. was like a a rock and roll dude through and through. Um, But I met the dudes who ultimately asked me. It was uh, my buddy Brandon Brown and Kenneth Townsend of the group New Genesis. And they said, hey, come do this gig. And I was like, wow, okay, I'm about to do this R&B gig. And it was, do you know where the Gower Gulch is on Gower and Sunset? Yeah, actually, yeah. And it looks like, for some reason, just smack dab in the middle of Hollywood, it like looks like out of some old Western town. Totally, yeah. Yeah, it's totally tasteless and awesome. And there used to be this <laughs> restaurant there. And we did a, a gig um, with this artist, and it was just brutal. It's just not, like, 
good, you know, dinner time and nobody's mm-hmm. paying attention mm-hmm. and That's the tough. artist is doing a lot of covers that they shouldn't be doing and shit. But anyhow, I got to play with that band and that was really exciting for me. And when it was done, literally out in the parking lot, they said to me, hey, um, Chrisette Michelle leaves for tour next week. And like this was actually, we just had to test and see like if you could hang. So that's what this show was. And so they had me play this fucking horrendous show at the Gower Gulch surreptitiously like, can you to see like can i yeah well just like can, can <laughs> this now you dude, can you fit in with the rest can you do it? yeah can you like play like r&b and soul guitar and uh so then we left with chrisette michelle and did you do you feel like you because that was such a switch from your like the music you usually played did you like practice at home and like learn some r&b like did you start totally okay well not uh for Crusette. i had been doing it for house of blues because every week these people were coming to my event and i i couldn't be like the wackest one there oh you were so, playing also at those events like pri- yeah principally that's what i was doing was hosting oh. it i'd be like on the mic and introducing whoever's singing or whatever and it's a it's a thing that they do in la and in all music towns everywhere it's just called um a shed or it's called a hang or it's called a jam and it's just right. like you know like talk people amongst the dudes all only like cats who play really and maybe girls who like to sing and stuff it's like totally an insider thing but it happens right now and you know if you're in the city you know oh tuesdays we go to the federal or wherever it is and you go and you bring your guitar but you go and then like how does that venue make money yeah like why do they want you there outside of like the credit and like just being a part of the well with house of blues it was really hard they definitely were not paying us well because that's and, a huge venue also like if you're not bringing in people that's yeah like, and there was 10 people in the band spot to like yeah. staff yeah we were not making a lot of money but it is clout to have it there because we had killer musicians come and right. artists and stuff come and sing with us so there's that and uh venues have 365 days to fill and they need shows i tell this to young artists all the time for whom it feels like you got to pay to play or that the venues are doing you favors when it's your time to get up there and play shows and that you should be apologetic for only bringing x amount of people or like that the talent buyer is gonna like vibe you out and give you a hard time i hate that whole thing venues need talent and sometimes a talent is going to pack the house and sell a ton of drinks and sometimes they're not but if you're and, if you play a kick-ass show yeah you're you are valid to be on that stage and sometimes also even if you're a, a decent sized name or whatever it could be an off night you know what i mean like there's just so many factors that i was just listening to um another guest on the podcast was jessica who we went and saw the other night mm. she has a podcast and she spoke to uh she was rad by the way at yeah, the comedy store she's so great what's her insta i'll shout her out jms jms comedy, comedy. <laughs> look for her in your city she's amazing yep. um she was talking to the woman who run i th- runs i think it's called laughs in sacramento it's a comedy l-a-f-f-s is that what oh you know it yes okay awesome at least um, i think i know it but let's move <laughs> let's act like i do um sorry i also have a little bit of cold which is why i sound this way but um anyway she was talking to her and her whole perspective on it was really cool where she was like yeah i'm not booking people off like how many followers they have or whatever like if you can do a killer set like and you're good i'm gonna book you right. and i'm gonna put on like local talent or whatever and That's if it right. doesn't fill up 
that's okay. Like, but that's a healthy perspective. Yeah. And I really, because being new to like comedy venues in general, like I'm very new to like going to them and like being aware of that scene Mm. and historically only caring about music. Just the amount of pressure I've seen get put on friends and the amount of like, just the way that people get in their heads so about it like to me all you should be worried about is your own show Mm. and like the sale of tickets should not be what you're worried about that day it's a very complex amount of commerce that goes into art these days and you could totally be the type to just be flighty and not care at all and sometimes it works for people and you end up becoming commercially viable Mm -hmm. even while you don't care and then there's other folks who are diy and who are great artists and run every element of their business as well yeah and there's like room for all of that i like you just mentioned think i would love to only care about the creation process all the time and that be it like i tell myself that Mm -hmm. but here i am owning a studio and being executive producer quote unquote and shit and really the difference is that like I care about the details and that I'm like right. at the meetings and that I'm like following up. Well, on you're also shit. like a smart person. So yeah, but I you think know. there's like more things that you want to do. Like when you see room for opportunity and something that you're interested in or you're good at or whatever, um, like that's yeah. just how your brain works. You yeah. Know? Like, it is like toxic ambition. <laughs> I don't think it's toxic. It's just, <laughs> that's just ambition. Yes. Just um, ambition. So, Okay, that helps a lot because I had been wondering, like, if you're hosting and doing all that stuff at House of Blues, Viper Room, stuff like that, like, where are you finding time to play? And, like, to this day, like, how do you, do you lot fit in practice and stuff? Like, do no, you practice yourself? Like, I don't do practice do? very much guitar anymore. I do practice <clears throat> vocals. and Really? Yeah, because that is, like, the final frontier for me as an artist is to feel as comfortable uh, with my – comfortable is not the word, but to feel like I have my 10,000 hours – singing as i do feel about guitar keyboard or production or something like that i also didn't know that you had that with keyboards so that's good to know. i can play some keyboards yeah i probably am a little shy of ten thousand hours but i can like hang yeah uh, but the vocals where i find time is when i'm in the car i don't really listen to music oh, in okay. the car i just sing belt it out on your own yeah wow mm-hmm. that's it and and that is just like in LA, you know, you do a lot of driving. You do a lot of driving. And so you either are just like. Do you do it in Ubers? No, I drive. Oh, I drive. I'm just wondering I generally, if I'm generally like bringing gear. No, oh, do I? <laughs> no. Because sometimes if I'm caffeinated, I'll be like, hey, turn this up. <laughs> I never do it with people in the car. That's just totally cringy. Well. But I mean, I'll sing along to a song to the top of my lungs, but I'm doing like vocal exercises. Oh, and you're like, like totally, me, 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 me. Yeah, that type okay. of thing. Yeah, so I do that in the car. But you know, like, I strongly suggest that to people who are trying to be on their, like, whatever's their next level of go-gettedness is there's so much time in the car and a lot of people are listening to not just a song but a song they've heard already yeah there's like so much of that like just recapitulating some shit and even if you don't know the lyrics you know the construct of it like there's songs that i'll sing in the car that i don't know the words and i'll just go in fact one of my favorite things to do if i'm really caffeinated go on oh man <laughs> Sometimes because Waka Flocka songs. <laughs> oh, Flocka. <laughs> Shit. This is actually not surprising. To people who don't know you, this is a very, go on. Yeah. This, uh, we know this. 
Because his songs have like I'm not some Jim Beam while you're telling me this <laughs> yeah, story. Stay hydrated. Yeah. Uh I don't know, like they kind of have like a predictable cadence. There's sometimes that I'll just say whatever the like whatever I feel like over it. And do what I and just make up nonsense over it. Welcome and, to hip hop this day and age. That's even what the artists are doing themselves too. And it's super fun. Yeah, like I'll do it, it, and it's like I'll do it over that. I'll do it over some other songs, and like uh, sometimes as like a stress relief. Like some people might like bake cookies, but I write like parodies of songs. Mm. Um, uh, you write them with like on the spot or you literally write them both okay yeah that's so great. i'll make it up in the car and be like oh that's great and if i have like uh if i'm not listening to the radio and i'm like you know my phone's hooked up or whatever i'll replay the song over and over again and just make up parts for the yeah rest good of on it. you um this this day like and age. very like weird al style you oh know? amen like i think do you remember that do you remember that song do um, kids know who weird al is god i hope i mean i don't think children are listening to this i think it's like oh yeah. I, it's it is my hope that uh, high school teachers actually share this with their students for like, hey, look at all these different avenues that you could choose from, right? Because I have somebody uh-huh. on who's like the VP of a um, aluminum company. Um, I have somebody else on who is a glaciologist. Ooh, um, I they're mean, bummed out. I, I mean, he's in Antarctica right now, like doing samples and stuff. Yeah, it's That just gives wild. me shivers. Totally. And not because it's cold, <laughs> but because it's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, I have on. Uh, I listened to a conservative politician Whoa. today. Oh, I thought you meant conservative podcast, like an ongoing basis. I actually like... listen to conservative talk radio regularly. If I'm not feeling the vocals, if it's like just too late at night and I've been in the studio all day and I don't want to sing in my in my car, yeah, which happens plenty. Uh, I'll listen to conservative talk radio uh, mostly to like just try to understand yeah. what. It, what's to it well yeah to know like what kind of I information really people are getting no i really i'm so curious but uh and rarely am do i get any nuggets of like understanding but <laughs> this dude today sure enough he, the, the interviewer asked him and so you think that man-made climate change is real right and he goes the climate is definitely changing and i was like oh this dude's about to say it and he goes nobody knows why we're all uh, so confused and i was uh, like bruh we are not all so confused yeah. you know like you gee, are in denial yeah we can't i can't even go down this road right because no. like it's just too obvious but god i'm like he literally at this point they've come to a place where they go oh yes the climate is changing but everybody is uncertain as yeah, to everybody why or how. Who has, yeah, I mean, and just pisses me off. Before we, because I don't necessarily want to go down that path either. But I, I will say that sometimes I'm confused, especially when people are religious. Where I'm like, oh, so this is God's creation as the earth. You think it's just totally fine to drive it into the ground and treat it with complete disrespect? Yeah, well, the religious thing is hard because a lot of folks think that whatever happens is ordained. So, like, right. if the climate is changing, ordained. it's because God wanted to do it. Yeah, and yeah, which is like one of the downfalls of organized religion. Of course, there are well, many it's, upsides it's one of the, to it, but... the downfalls of blind faith, in my yeah, opinion. There it is, just, blind faith. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot that organized religion has to offer for people, you know, for who sure. really want that and seek that kind of structure. For sure. But um, yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> what were we saying? <laughs> I don't know what. Oh well, we were talking about. Do I practice? Oh yeah. Okay. Not religion. Guitar. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, I don't practice, practice very much guitar anymore. Although I'm not over it. I'm not like proud of it. I absolutely will have another 
era in my lifetime playing guitar while I'll get really back into it, you know? What do you feel like? And I play guitar every day. I, I just don't like okay. have a book open and I'm not like on some... Network. You're not like challenging yourself in a in a way where you're like, okay, this I can't do and I need to It's more as a producer now, which probably is not... Doesn't make any sense to anybody who's not one, but there is being a instrumentalist and a technician, mm-hmm. and so you sit down and you try to come up, try to like beat the next best guitarist, and try to figure out all of the dark corners of the instrument. And I totally have done that, and will do that more in my life. And then there is doing it from a producer standpoint, where you are looking at the song as ordained and from angels and you're trying to figure out how the guitar can help bolster that okay and that's not necessarily going well how do i play the raddest guitar part that's going to melt faces you go how do i treat the song with care right and sometimes that's with oftentimes it's with great simplicity so i'm definitely still digging right now you know if you're just curious what's happening this week. Yeah, I will have I my guitar in my lap here. We're in my studio and I will be searching for the truth. But generally as a producer, as opposed to as a guitar, as a producer, I'm looking for the primary color yeah. that really fits. There was, if, yeah, go on. No, oh, I was just saying there was a really great phrase that Matt, who is uh, the music supervisor that was on the podcast used, where he talks about how for the shows that he's doing music supervision on, he looks for like the X, Y axis of mm. that. Mm. And what you just said reminded me of that, of like kind of like uh, where's like the place that this totally, fills in. Totally. So, yeah, because you still want to uh, you still want it to be a unique part that hasn't mm-hmm. been played before. If you subscribe to the the notion that you could even do such a thing like play anything new that hasn't been played uh and something that would turn on young guitarists something that'd yeah. be like oh i want to learn that riff oh, that's a cool perspective i like that yeah because that is for sure why i'm here is because guitar players before me played some kick-ass shit and i was like i gotta know how to do that right so i definitely still feel a responsibility to those kids mm-hmm. uh, but then as a producer you learn if you're paying attention to the song as a whole that uh, the guitarist is just, you know, one member of the team. Right. You know, you don't want, like, one instrument to do the whole thing all the time. You want to be able to, like, toss it around and have there be, like, a really cool dynamic between the instruments and stuff. And You know, I don't know. It it changes every day. Sometimes we're in here and we're just, just, in fact, just the other day with uh, an artist named Mason, he sat down and he's like, I just want to do a guitar vocal thing. It's like, I don't want, we don't want to do drums, keyboards, none of it, just mm-hmm. guitars and vocals. Okay, well, now the game has changed. Now the guitar part really matters. is it really has to important. Carry the song. Yeah, yeah, so now we got, now that means one thing or another. And was he on acoustic or electric? We did that one on, I'll play it for you. Uh, I guess on electric. Yeah, oh, I, on electric. I only ask because there's that, you know, with acoustic, you can do some stuff and then use it also as a rhythmic instrument mm-hmm. and stuff so mm-hmm. i didn't know if he was throwing that in there so then for you um how do you i mean you answered part of that already but like what have you learned and like how do you feel like producing music has changed the way you are a guitar player oh man great question and vastly yeah and um it is probably my la my most recent growth spurt as a musician 
is to really take this production thing seriously and then bring it back to my guitar chair where forever I've been just like wanting to be the best guitar player in the world and everybody else be damned. And now as a producer, um, really caring about the lyric and I mean, shit. I mean, right there long time. I did not care about the lyric. Yeah. We've had this. In fact, yeah, we had a, we had a really good talk about this. When I mean, I shouldn't say I didn't once. care about the lyrics. My favorite band of all time is Rage Against the Machine. And what I loved about them was not only that the guitar parts are next, just incredible, completely unheard yeah. of. Also, they had a fucking purpose. And also they yeah. stood for they something, something and they say. were consistently. So I shouldn't say I didn't care. I don't care about lyrics. But with Rage, you have to pay attention to the lyrics. Yeah. With damn near everybody else, I don't. I really necessarily have to. And, you know, then I was studying jazz for a long time, which is instrumental music oftentimes. So, like, there was no lyric to pay attention to. So there was uh, the era where I was just playing guitar and then now as a producer um, learning to see a bigger picture and then bringing back, bringing that back to the guitar chair, I think it has assisted me in being more subtle and mm-hmm. complimentary mm-hmm. and playing the right part all the time. Yeah. And I will liken it to this. And again, this may a date me or something, but whatever. <laughs> there's this band called Pearl Jam. I like Pearl to have Jam. people on here with experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to have people on here who don't know what they talk about. So there's this band called Pearl Jam. Okay. One of the biggest bands in the world. And uh, they have two guitarists. Mm-hmm. One is the rhythm guitarist. The other is the lead guitarist. And this is a dynamic that everybody who plays guitar understands. The rhythm guitarist is generally the less talented one. And the one who has the ego, which is more readily appeased and so doesn't need much. Mm -hmm. And the lead guitarist is the one who can play all the notes really Mm -hmm. fast and who probably wears the leather pants or like whatever, that type of Such as yourself. Yeah. Well, I have a a pair. (laughs) or two and in what i so in pearl jam that's how it goes there's the lead guitarist who takes all the solos and there's the rhythm guitars well once i became a producer i started paying attention it turns out that stone this is a seattle band by the way you should check I've, them out if I've you've noticed. never heard of them yeah, yeah. pearl jam p-e-a-r-l and the rhythm guitarist is the better guitarist really he is bar none, and yeah, this would be, is interesting to like seven people who love Pearl Jam still, but to those people, it's very important. Okay, it's important to me. The rhythm guitarist. Also, there is a ton of people. So, uh, I will admittedly say that I probably don't know a single Pearl Jam song like uh-huh. off the top of my head, but they're. I didn't even know they were from. I didn't know. You know about some Seattle. of them. There's some that are that are when they're on the radio or like yeah. somebody's like, "Oh, this is Pearl Jam." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I've heard that." Right? They're, they're inescapable. Some of them. They they are for sure. Yeah. It was just not them and Soundgarden are like the two big Ooh. bands from Seattle, and like uh, we're they not gonna both... give Nirvana any shout outs. Oh, out here. whoopsie. Okay. The two big. <laughs> oh man, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's just what first came to mind, but you know what I mean. The two. St- the ones that have been active in the 21st century. There you go. Good save. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, and I guess I didn't even know Modest Mouse is one of my favorite bands, and I had no yeah. idea they were from Seattle when cool, I moved there. Yeah. So, like, I genuinely don't pay attention to the people in the bands that I like. I feel like Modest to. Mouse sounds like they're from Seattle in a way. It just sounds rainy on their records. After knowing that, I went, after knowing they're from Seattle, I went, like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Totally the vibe just here. makes sense. But, um, 
oh yeah there's they have an insane fan base both of those bands and people talk about them like i should know everything about them yeah and like yeah they do like random shows in seattle that sell out insanely pj does yeah pearl jam does yeah yeah they just did one recently at yeah. like that's uh, great wamu or something like one of the big like mm-hmm. stadiums or something that's washington mutual guys yeah in case you don't in think. case you never played there before <laughs> yeah right have you ever played there for sure wait really yeah with who uh generally with miguel but we were there with drake and oh, that's, that Alicia was when I was Keys. living in San Francisco. So yeah, you weren't there that. yet. We were there on the Drake tour and with Alicia Keys. And maybe you toured with Alicia Usher. Keys? Oh, yeah. Like for her? No. Okay. With Miguel. Oh, okay. So the only Miguel tours I knew of were when we first met, which was, I think, he was doing a solo tour, but it was smaller. Mm-hmm. And then with Drake. Yeah. And then solo tour again, which then he played at Soto Showbox. In. Mm. I experienced that whole time as just one. Long oh, tour. and Usher, I forgot about Usher. Yeah. That was the main one that I remember because yeah. that was around the time that we first met. Yeah, and I didn't understand that. I was I was just confused because I had never actually heard Miguel's music until that song with Wale came out. Oh yeah, yeah. What Lotus Flower Bomb? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I love that song. That's a joint. But then I think that's also the only Miguel song I know off the top of my head. At this point? Yeah, yeah. Wow. For sure. He's been out here working. I mean, I've seen Trying to get like your for... attention. <laughs> and you've seen the shows. I've seen the shows. Yeah, yeah. That's the only one I can think of off the top. And there's times that a song has come on and I've been like, oh, yeah, that's a Miguel song. That's the only one I can name. Yeah, well, it's to your credit. <laughs> uh, you know, like there's a lot of stuff to do in a day. And to fan out on every, to, to know every lyric to every song is not necessarily important. And as we talked about with neither of us, I mean, neither of us are lyric people. And the, right. after we had that conversation last time where you'd sent a record to somebody to have them listen to it, that you did. And they were like, oh, the lyrics didn't really resonate with me. And you and I were both like, who cares about the lyrics? Right. Uh, and the very next day, I kid you not, I listened to a song that I had listened to my whole life. Yes. Which is uh, Blues Traveler's The Hook. Great. And... For the first time in my life, and this was not even concerted effort. No, I'd never even listened to the lyrics. I yes. just knew the song. Yes. I happened by chance to It's a notice. song about a song. Right. Yes. And I listened to it and for the first time in my life noticed, and maybe it wasn't that I listened to it. Maybe I actually was watching something was on the lyrics popped up because I somehow I noticed. Genius. Yeah, you're watching Genius or something or listening on, on, no? No, probably not. Okay. I don't watch That's that a rapper thing that I'm um, into. Uh, no, I've I've started to watch the show and I've been like, cool, I should actually watch this because my way of watching shows is usually like in a window where I'm not looking at it. So I, that's on my watch list of stuff for like right now when I'm sick to watch when I'll actually watch it. Mm. But <clears throat> notice that the first line was, it doesn't matter what I say as long as I sing it with inflection. And I think I called you and I was like, dude, whoa, this just happened. I was John and, Popper. And like there's I still don't like I don't listen really to any lyrics really, he was trolling, he was trolling the whole game with that song in hip-hop yeah and it's yeah. beautiful and with hip-hop yeah. i mo- i listen to more lyrics in hip-hop because i can understand what they're saying there's just so much to unpack like there's just a <laughs> lot of corners in all this yeah but like on one hand like it the, is coup, a the coup is one of my form, favorite so. groups ever the coup and they have really rad lyrics and really good music behind it like i like everything about can them. you spit us a bar an example bar because i no. don't know their music god no 
Come on. Never. You could say it in your podcast uh, voice. I will not. I will insert <laughs> some music. In. I won't say. Okay. No, no, no. I'm sweating literally and I'm blushing and nobody's here. I won't do it. Okay, okay. But okay. they're great. Them and then like there was an artist who I think actually may still be in prison that I really love named G Depp. He's great. Mm-hmm. And there, But like with hip hop, it's different because there's like a story there. And with Rage, Rage is also one of my favorite bands, and their lyrics are kick-ass because they're for real saying something. Yeah. But those are also all artists where I know what they're saying off the bat. Like, I don't have to stop and go, like, what did they say? Yeah. Um, whereas with most artists I do and most artists I don't really care what they're saying because I also – I have a really hard time, like, um, like listening and learning. Like, even when I'm watching a movie, if I'm watching it and really want to understand it, I put closed captions on on everything. Oh, I'm watching closed captions every time. Yeah. You know how much stuff you miss? Listen, you guys have to turn on the closed yeah. captions. You are missing you're everything. Missing, you're missing side conversations. You're missing, like, really relevant background You music. don't know how that character's name is even spelled. Yeah. You think it's spelled with a J, but it's a G. There's so it's much true. to come up on. Yeah, And I don't pay attention to character names at all. So, like, forget about even the idea of me like reading or watching Lord of the Rings because I don't know who's who. So like if you're going to sit here and talk to me, like I watch Game of Thrones religiously. If you named, I can maybe think of like two or three characters' names and know who they are, but I just don't pay attention. You know what else I love about the closed captions is that uh, whenever they're trying to describe a scene, like in the little brackets and they have like this (laughs) kick-ass little like adjective for it, it'll be like, you know, breathlessly you know it's like whatever it is and you're like yo who comes up with this it's so great when they're just recounting the dialogue like that's important because again you're missing some shit but then when they're trying to explain the scene you're like yo that is absolutely heart pounding door knocks it's great dust falls off (laughs) oh my god uh yeah no it's really good especially on a coen brothers movies where they really Mm. treat sounds in a particular way Mm -hmm. um they they are really good but at any rate so we were talking about lyrics, how well, we don't care well, about them, and how you've changed that in a more recent way because of executive producing. Was that uh, what you were saying? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm going to sound like an idiot for anyone who listened to this and actually paid attention. And they're, trying to and they're going to be yeah, like, Jesus, you said, Lene, get how it did producing change my perspective on the guitar? Yeah. And it did vastly. And, and it's, it's changed, changed on the lyrics. way that I've played. And it's also why, if I can give myself this out, I don't find myself practicing the guitar the way that I mm-hmm. used to is because what I don't need from the chair anymore is like more speed right now. Right. I don't need more crunchy, which is a term that we use to mean dissonant, uh, like out there sounds. I need consonant sounds okay. that I learned when I was in sixth grade. I already learned these sounds. It's just right. how, to, how, to, how to make them fit in there. Do you ever practice? Because I find myself doing this a lot with drumming because I find it to be more helpful when we're like working on different songs where, where it's like I'm putting a beat to something that doesn't that I don't want to just always do boring like 4-4 type stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> um do you find yourself exploring like different genres like I've been practicing and, and I'm setting this up with what I've been doing just so you understand the question because I feel like mm-hmm. it's not a clear question really because I don't know how to phrase it properly but like I've been watching these like videos with this girl who does really good tutorials on like how to play some like fundamental like indian music beats and stuff like that do you Amazing. find yourself doing that for like guitar for the artists that you work with to bring something Amazing. different? well indian classical music <laughs> is uh a some of the best most complex deep music that the world Congolese has ever known music is really rad too. cool yeah all, all, all of the that, i think west african where's the congo east west 
It's on one side or another. It is on one side or the other. But um, wait, hold so, on. We can pause for a second. You want to pause? What's up? Wait, you can come back. Oh no, I was looking the, for Peter. They're in the shed. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, yep. So, uh, the Indian music is some of the best, most uh, complex music out there. However, what they do really well is sort of antithesis to western pop music yeah totally so there's not a whole lot i pull from that or just different cultures different genres whatever like i know that like a lot of when i was first learning drums was spent in jazz funk um and then like for fun like some shuffle rock type stuff yeah being uh aware of and knowing how to enjoy different genres i think is um, valuable way beyond my ability to produce or write songs. Mm, it's mm-hmm. big as just as a human. It's like on some, are you worldly? Do you understand yeah. and accept other cultures? That's a so really good way of looking at it's it. It's fucking That's cool. huge, right? Yeah. And particularly while we're out here, like talking about the conservative versus progressive type thing, like, do I listen to and consume stuff that is not second nature to me? Fuck yeah. It's the most yeah. important thing I can do as an artist mm-hmm. so that I can then put it through my filter and it'll come out in however it's going to. But yeah, so. Or even know how to access that, I imagine. If an artist is like, oh, I want it to have this feel, that you mm. know what that means, that you're yeah. not like, hmm. I wonder what the last thing was <laughs> that I consumed that was brand new to me in the pursuit of art. We did just do uh, me and my production partner, Jimmy, um, three songs for an Indian artist. Oh, cool. Come think of it. This cat, our mom, Malik, we did three joints for him. And we, I dug a little bit into my rog bag of tricks, rog mm-hmm. being the Indian scales. Uh, but mostly that artist came here to LA because they want a Western sound. Right. So they yeah. weren't, they were the ones that were supposed to bring the Indian. We were supposed to bring the California. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So that was like not really flexing too much on it. But what I have been consuming re- recently that is brand new to me is fiction. Oh, yeah. I've been making a concerted effort Sci-fi. to do the same. Yeah. Because reading it, and yeah. watching shit that is made up. Yeah, and fantasy and has no basis in reality, which and is I so counter, I think, to both of what our typical. I was way just is. biographies and autobiographies all the time. I just needed real stories. I wanted them to be outlandish stories. I wanted it to be Keith Richards' story, but I wanted it to actually have happened, and that's what I was down for. Yeah. Now, because I'm writing this comic book and this whole graphic what? novel thing, yeah, maybe maybe that's for another podcast, but for sure, yeah, the, I am chapters into and a whole team on into. your own no there's a team okay it's the falconry graphic novel and maybe by the time this podcast drops people will be able I'm to not go by take that long to edit it jesus well i'm not gonna take that long to publish it so <laughs> you're such a buck so we're uh so now i've been yo i've been reading comic books Good. like what it's insane can it's i incredible. send you one Please. Maybe two, because there's my friend DJ did a really cool one with uh, Fantagraphics called Unreal City, okay. uh, and my friends and I used to throw this party that was like a drink and draw party where we made a zine every week, and yes. we had like some really awesome comic artists. The artists on my team are doing drink and draw shit all the time. I don't get invited to those because they they don't they don't want me to come and draw. They want me to. Make no, I'm a terrible drawer, show, but, but it, it did a, it did release something for me. I, I found it come really and drink valuable. Though, <laughs> I did not drink. I- <laughs> I, I drew. 
I'm an I'm an adult. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and we got really lucky because PBR was sponsoring it, and to their credit, uh, for Whoa. like I'm sure they received very little benefit of of that's a kick-ass drink it, and draw party. Yeah, no, it was great. It was like. I think there was like very cheap pbrs they sponsored it which meant we also got to give away tickets to like the music festival they did we got like early access to entering and like getting entries drawn up for their like art can contest and stuff um and they were super super cool but like and it was fun because we came with a theme but it really as somebody who has never been comfortable drawing or painting or anything where like you're making something up that doesn't exist mm. like music is the only thing that i've ever felt comfortable making something up that didn't already exist mm. photography i'm like i don't want to stage anything let me just come see what's up and if huh. i get inspired i'll take a picture um wow uh but that made me just loosen up a little bit and have mm. fun and do stuff because i saw some stuff that people who were like really creative but didn't get too detailed with their drawings were still communicating a clear concise huh. message with a really simple illustration amen that's cool. the production thing straight up is like how do you get to the truth of the matter yeah so how do you make money me yeah i produce records right but like what does that mean you know what he, the, so mm -hmm. like when i had people Jess want to know how that uh like what's the real mathematics there no, I mean, you don't need to give an amount, I guess, just like when I talked to Jessica, I was like, so like money wise. And so she explained like and talked about having to like get comfortable with asking for money and stuff yeah. like that. Do you yeah. want to actually do you want to noodle on that while I go to the bathroom? You yeah. can think about it. I'll pause. I'll, I'll whatever. I'll just cut this part out. Yeah, we can take a pause. Back to the point that we're going to make Indeed. Well, money. Oh, yes. <laughs> so are you curious about that still? Yeah, yeah. No, about, I'm super curious. About, Did you start recording again? Yes. Okay. About how the money gets made uh, as a producer. The, I mean... Well, I okay. Know. So as a producer, for sure, also as a guitarist, because I think there's three mm -hmm. layers here, right? Like yeah. there's a layer of you touring. Yeah. There's a layer of studio time as a guitarist. And then also there's executive producing. Yeah. And, and it, so, like, how does that work itself out? Yeah, the guitar stuff or to just go on the road, whether you're playing guitar or any other instrument or whatever it is you're doing uh, where you're performing, mm -hmm. is instant gratification. The money comes right then and there. Right, right. Well... It literally gets direct deposited every week. Are you on like a net 90 term type thing? Uh, I'll invoice whenever I feel like it. And then they usually are pretty good about fulfilling the invoice. Clearly, I do not. I, I'm, I don't like strangle that. I don't invoice any particular t time of the month or anything. Just like whenever I remember to do it. So you agree on a rate up front. Mm hmm. Do you go straight to them with, hey, here's what I am, or they come to you like, here's our budget? Do you guys negotiate that out? How does it work? I have like a number. I have like a day rate and a week rate and stuff that's just already sort of built into what makes it worth it for me to be away from home and shit. And so, you know, that's one of those things that it's weird for people when they first start out. You know, you like know that you're supposed to have one and then i imagine you sorted that out figured out wh where the sweet spot was eventually yeah. everybody can know what a day costs to them though you know not really i shouldn't talk about like in the universal but point is is i don't know man it, the stratification of wealth is so fucked up right now but you should be making a hundred dollars a day 
Okay, like just cause, like that should just yeah. be otherwise. Like if you're doing something, how are you going to pay rent and eat food? I mean, how do you even eat food for that, right? And I don't always make a hundred dollars a day, right? Oftentimes I make much more. Oftentimes I make zero dollars in a day, mm-hmm. just because that is the nature of art. Uh, but I'm a specialist, mm-hmm. and when you're specialized either because you are a guitarist or you're a surgeon or you are the dude who climbs up the telephone poles and fixes the shit at the top. When you're the dude who very few people can do that specific thing, then you have a premium because you've really like built the skill, whatever it may be, and you should demand something more than an hourly wage hourly wage is generally something if you're just talking about having like uh, a job like i guess how most the american workforce has it um you know generally you could be replaced and so thusly you just go i'm just gonna trade you my time for whatever's the going fucking rate right and well and to your point i would also argue as a specialist and for anybody um but i think for specialists because when you're a specialist you're kind of uh, negotiating your own terms whereas when you're a generalist it's like very dependent on what jobs are available to you and like Mm -hmm. who's willing to hire you and stuff versus when you're a specialist it's a little bit different i also argue that it is important that people charge what they're worth not only for themselves but for the industry as a whole oh yeah because it's really yeah it ripples out yeah yeah there's a lot of that my buddy jimmy who's my my partner in our little production group called ghost notes he's got a t-shirt that says uh (laughs) it says no more free shit yeah and I just love it. I yeah. think it's and, great. And for those of you who don't know, and I I know Jessica, um, uh, the comedian, she and I got into this on her episode too, was like, there's a lot of uh, requests that come through in LA, and I imagine New York, like I've never lived in New York, but I've a lot of, spent a lot of time there. I have found they're a little bit more respectful about people's craft, but in LA. In New York. Yeah, in New York. Huh. Maybe that's just uh, because I haven't lived there, so I've only like met people at a different capacity than when you're like embedded somewhere they like high art they like high so art they do and, like have this sort of manufactured value yeah and they really um they're much less about flashy cars being flashy in new york like they're much more about their yeah they don't there. even fucking drive they cars. don't drive yeah, yeah which is and they don't have sick ass houses because right. you have to drive way out to rutherford to have a cool house <laughs> like that it's true. Yeah, so it does change their whole perspective on value. Yeah, yeah, and just the culture there is very different. In like general. you can have an apartment that in New York, oh, considering that culture, is like you have the flat of all flats, and it's like, yo, check my apartment. Where yeah. me being loud professionally and having been evicted from many places, <laughs> an apartment in any way, shape, or form w- just kills me. I just can't do it. I just mm. can't have the apartment because. I don't fuck with neighbors. Oh, more neighbors don't fuck with me, but like I don't, I don't fuck with neighbors. Yeah. So give me whatever's the sexiest apartment in New York. I'll take the shittiest rundown house in North Hollywood with no grass and with fucking whatever other type of old ass kitchen 
appliances, whatever the hell it is that people are valuing in their home, uh-huh. I'll take that house because I don't like neighbors. Yeah, I don't really. I, I like don't, cool neighbors. I, I mean, don't like yeah, shitty neighbors. Same. same. I lived know? in like a, I call them like fake fancy apartment building, and I did not. It's not for mess me, man. There's and so then, much of that. Yeah. There's so much, and people like <laughs> spend as much on those as you could spend to have a house. Now, this is in the LA market, and New York's different, and, and, yeah. and, then, and then there's the rest of the world. And then there's also like commuting, right? Like, that's a different thing, too. Like, but. Because it, from a house, you basically have to commute apartment. You're probably in a neighborhood. But well, a lot of people aren't being noisy. So having a sick apartment where there's amenities and the gym is downstairs and stuff is like probably really valuable to them. And I, I uh, sympathize. I don't empathize. <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that. Yeah, I just I, need there to be no neighbors that are going to call the cops. Yeah, That's my neighbors are priority all... number one. Basically, everyone who lives in my building is an artist, and so there's just none of that. Sick. Like, as a culture, we don't have any of that, and, like, everybody's very cool. If somebody's partying, like, it's very normal to just go over and be like, hey, can you turn it down a little bit? Man, and, that's so rare. To have yeah, a neighbor it's, it's that'll special, actually, sure. like, treat you like a human, just knock on the door, text you. And my neighbors will God be like, like, if they run into me and they're having a party, they'll be like, oh, did you want to just come? Like, we all hang together. Yeah. It's all, And it's very cool because and also, like, as somebody who has a lot of projects, I don't really hang out with a lot of my friends. I can run into a neighbor. We can get coffee, hang for 20 minutes. And, like, we both got in some social time, caught up. But, like, it's not like there's an obligation there because everybody has their own deal going on. We're all pulling different hours. Yeah. Whatever. So it's rad. But, yeah. anyways. um, Money. Money. So... So I imagine rate. your day rate yeah. and your weekly rate and stuff like that has changed over the years. For sure. Um, do you um, – here's a situation, for example. Repeat customer from a few years ago. Mm. I assume you're just now comfortable being like, hey, my day rate's changed. Yeah, that is fucked up because a lot of people – it's, a, it's a, uh, like a adage <laughs> in the industry that once you charge somebody something, you can never – like re-identify yourself with them and be and which is it's not not that extreme it's not that extreme but uh there is a lot of that like for instance you don't give somebody something for free as as a creative in the hopes that oh the next time they come back they'll understand that i'm really valuable and in fact me giving this to them for free they see how valuable that is. No, it actually devalues right. you. Right. Oh, that's what that's we were saying about LA culture. That's the hard lesson to learn. Yes, and that's very normal. Don't in give LA. your shit away for free. Not because we're greedy. It's because people pick up on that, and when yeah. you give it to them for free, that is how valuable the shit is that you just gave to them. It yeah. literally is nothing. And so when somebody, okay, so then. With executive production, so you were saying, like you mentioned before, with day rates, weekly rates for touring, and then I imagine there's like a similar day rate for like studio time that you have. Yeah, not really. When you're producing, you don't have a day rate anymore. I mean, some people do. There's a lot of different ways to cut it. But but um, people will pay you for studio time, though. I don't charge studio time. I charge by the project. So I, w- w- Actually, let's back it up. We're not going to use the word project either because that is a totally murky term. Generally, I charge by the song, let's say. Okay. Which we call a record or a project or whatever. So if somebody wants us, us to me to produce and help write a song, then that costs a number. Right. And it will take however long it takes. Mm. We like to do it in a day, but oftentimes it takes many days. 
And so I generally don't charge by the day unless you have somebody who has a really deep pockets. Mm -hmm. And if there's a label involved or something, you know, we're in the era of like tons of independent artists. But independent artists, if you're trying to get a kick-ass piece of art at the end, which is my number one priority. It's never been about the bread. It's about like, are we, are we proud of right. what we've made? Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you're charging by the day, and then suddenly they are not going to come back in to re-sing this part because it's going to cost them a couple extra hundred dollars, and then you end up going, well, we're just going to settle for this vocal performance yeah. because you start just really compromising the art. <clears throat> So uh, that makes a lot of sense. So instead, it's like if you want me to produce a song, I have a hard time. I don't necessarily want to just tell a number because it is different depending on who's the purse, right? But let's say median's about five thousand. And I imagine it's okay. also different on like People the style. Know. Like there's yeah. a lot of different things. Produce well, the style's not it because to me the style does not dictate my work. I'm gonna put in a fuck ton of work whether it no matter what the style is. Mm -hmm. So to me it's just about like my time and expertise and taste and stuff. And I say you know about five thousand dollars a song is like you know on the low. It's more for a label and maybe less for a homie. Okay. Right. Uh, but it's all in. So now, however long it takes for us to get the most kick-ass song and recording, that's how long it's going to take. And it's going to cost that amount of money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So a lot then, of days... But then do you get residuals on that at all? Or yeah. no, because they already paid you up front. Oh, no, you get residuals. Okay. But the trick is that a lot of the songs don't come out. Right. And not because they're not good, but because in the interest of perfection and greatness, we as artists create way more than we actually set free. Yeah. And some artists are really good at coming in and whatever we work on comes out. Christian French, the artist who I just executive produced that joint, every song save for one that we've ever done, we've released. Mm -hmm. And I think that one speaks to his urgency as an artist. He's just like young and of that era. Now it's his time and he just like just sets it free in a way that is really inspiring. Two, we really understand one another. So the art that we like from the jump, the mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. song we did, we struck a nerve. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. But then there's other artists who are every bit as, as cool, but there's, 10 songs in my hard drive that the world's never going to hear while we are still trying to search for like the one you know yeah and so that's when i talk about why well, i didn't make anything that day i might still make my production fee but if the song never gets set free and we don't let the world hear it then we don't get a chance to assess its value and have it go be valuable to other people and have it be a part of their story and shit so a lot of music just never comes out and you still and and the, thusly you better be like in it for the art right because otherwise you'll get <laughs> fucked up real quick yeah for sure you that's know? so interesting so when you're on tour there's no such thing as that you show up you play the show and you get paid and there is no like just investing in five songs in the hope that the sixth song becomes the one we showed up i want the bread but that's what we call short money and then you also have worked on music while you're on tour, which to me is really insane. Like I mm, saw. Yeah. You saw the, the bus, right? You came on our yeah, tour when, bus. Yeah. And I was super impressed because um, yeah. you guys, and, and but when I say you guys, it, it was that was the Vic, Vic's, it was the Vic Vic's Mensa tour. tour. Yeah, he had the studio in the back. 
and they and they they we we use it every night we, we record well, it every and night and that's what was so cool was that yeah. after that show he had that dj set but then you guys were right back Went on right back there to the studio yeah making music and that's there was it, no messing that, around and it was i'm not like that on tour i on tour <laughs> i want to go see my friends and shit like uh-huh. i want to go eat someplace i've never eaten before i don't feel like damn i need to get in the studio when i'm home i'm like i don't need to eat any new foods i don't need to see anybody i need to get in the studio with mm-hmm. my homies when i'm on the road so i have a very black and light white situation but on that tour that was the jay-z tour we got a lot of work done yeah and it was cool That's like everybody credit. had like a really good like you could tell everybody really even down to like those video guys who yeah. were awesome like yeah really cared shout out jake osman yeah he yeah. him and what was the other guy's name conrad yeah yeah he's uh the stylist yeah, he was amazing. That he does like insane leather work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, those guys were both really awesome. Um, I don't know if stylist is the right term for him. I should I should figure out what he wants to be called. He's basically just like a a fashion. He's like very. I mean, he's very good at like what he does. Like I was, yeah. uh, because Vic looked amazing on that, and then yeah. I found out he was wearing one of my favorite designers, which is Pierre Moss, and I oh, was yeah. like, oh, that's why. Because yeah, that's, you like, like that. Oh my that god, because was crazy. I was like. <laughs> Vic, where, where can I? I really want that. Yeah, like, where can I get that? He's like, you can't. Right. I was like, who made it? I want one. And then I was like, Lene, what are you gonna do with red leather matching pants and right. jacket? Doesn't matter. Who knows? I'll wear it around the house. Um, where is that outfit? It's somewhere outfit. in a closet right now. God. Yeah. Hey, Vic, if you're listening, it's probably I, not in a closet hung pants? up at all. For sure, it's like <laughs> crumpled at the crib. Um. But yeah, I was super impressed. And so that's that's really awesome. Um, let me think. What else did I want to ask you? Because I guess, like, do some people who do what you do, do they have, like, managers that manage all that stuff for them? Is that normal? I have a manager. You do? Yeah. Producers have managers for sure. Really important. Really important to be part of a team and to know how to delegate tasks mm-hmm. and know what people around you are great at and then have them do that right Right. it's like that's like just leadership i think probably 101 so i have a manager kevin Mm -hmm. kalame he's great and uh he helps me one do the stuff that i could do or that i used to do but which i don't want to do a but on the other side he like does stuff that wouldn't even occur to me and makes phone calls that i would think are out of bounds what are some whatever. of each of those things in those categories like name some of the f- stuff that you do. I assume Andy grammar is a perfect example like that's okay. one of my best friends for forever and we've never written a song together because well i shouldn't say we never we used to be in a band when we were like young but since our careers have blown up when we get together it's just on a friendship basis it's Mm -hmm. just like we're around his kids and we're like you know i know his family and um so we sort of just put the professional thing to the side and then kevin's like wait a minute you and andy are friends like why don't you guys write songs anymore i'm like i don't know i no reason really and he's like okay well let's do it and like oh yeah okay and so we're gonna do it okay that's awesome that's not really that groundbreaking of a notion but sure enough uh there are many examples but it's it's one of those extra things that like it just helps somebody else sometimes like pointing out sometimes the almost obvious the other thing that's 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 the most important thing and this is like um maybe not just about the 
dynamic of a producer and a manager, or artist and a manager, but is having somebody who can be the pit bull Mm-hmm. so that I don't have to because in order to get paid you do have to raise your voice sometimes or yeah. be obnoxious um it's like that yeah in the world and also in the game of intellectual property where the value of something swings wildly like what's the value of a song well the value of the mo- cool song that I ever wrote which is on my hard drive that nobody's ever heard is one thing and the value of Macarena is the other thing and then everywhere in between right so it's like totally arbitrary yeah so either i get to (laughs) run around and try to demand that value while also being cool right and by cool i mean like have the artist want to come work with me and not think that i'm just in it for the bread well and also oh he just like he would do this for free if but but that manager's there that's what you need. You really need yeah. that. And it's and it's and it's been so outlandish to me. It took me a long time, really, actually, low-key in my career to come to that place where I wasn't just representing myself. For the longest time, I loved having my hands in all parts of it. Right. But I wasn't demanding shit, and I wasn't probably getting paid my worth, and I wasn't doing the utmost because I was probably erring on the side of being fun to be around and like, oh, yeah, Drew's loyal. Uh more so than erring on the side of uh, Drew is expense is valuable, right? You know yeah. what I'm saying. So now, or not now, but in any b- case, whenever I have that cool artist manager dynamic, um, not only do I get to send him in to do the that ty- have those types of conversations. Um, in a way where I get to come across like I'm just the artful one, but I actually just get to be the artful one. Yeah. I, I can just clear my head and be like, let's write the song. Which I imagine also just impacts where your head is at when you're working with somebody or like in answering a phone call or whatever. Yeah. It because, changes everything, really. Yeah. it Because when you're on the end of bringing up money too, it really changes the dynamic of stuff and like, I mean, it's weird because when I'm on the end of asking for money and like saying like, hey, here's my rate or whatever it may be, or like, here's what I want to make it worth my time, I feel very vulnerable and weird, usually, depending on the thing. It's not but- for us. It's not me. It's <laughs> not, it's not the art. It's the least artful part of the conversation. Totally. You know? But what's crazy is when I'm on the receiving end of those conversations. Doesn't seem weird. Doesn't seem weird. I yeah, don't have don't, any more or less. I, I don't put any kind of anything into it, but I'm also. Man, you got to learn that lesson so many times, right? Yeah, but I think that's also who we are because there are some people that I've talked to that I've seen them change the way that they think about somebody. And I'm so like I'm very much eyes on my own paper kind of person. Like I am not somebody who looks over and goes like, especially like, you know, another whatever, like another photographer, another like digital strategist, any of that stuff, like consultant stuff, whatever. I would never look at somebody else who does any of those things that I charge for. And go like, who do think who do they think they are charging that much? I'd be like, oh, cool, if you're able to do that, right? Yo, I'm the same way, and that's what's so crazy about this preconceived notion that we have. Where I'm like, I don't want to have to speak up because then they'll see me some kind of way. Because and some yet, people like do. That. My that's girlfriend, thing, my, we were talking about this before we turned on the mics, but you know, she is out here modeling, and yeah. similarly, that can be from free to 
very paid riches beyond your wildest dreams and like really the difference is like will you demand it or won't you you know because it's all art so it's subjective as to whether it's good or not mm -hmm. and so i um try to impose you know impress upon her that she's valuable and worth it and she should ask for the shit right up front and in in doing that i'm really just trying to tell myself really i mean straight it's really like it a, also makes you more accountable yeah yeah right because you're like having a professional experience now you know i don't like having to always have be oh, this is all favor based no oh, listen. no no i mean you, by you talking to her about that it makes you go like oh well i can't be doing stuff for free if i'm telling totally to exactly charge. i'm telling myself yeah when i when it's coming out of my mouth i'm literally like telling myself but yeah she does a great job of listening to me tell her that even when she knows that I'm not always doing it myself. That's kind of her. Yeah, and she sometimes is getting paid really well. She's in Jamaica right now um, doing it, and then other times she does it just for free, and it's just kind of the world which, we live which in. Which is part of it also. She doesn't say we do it for free. She probably doesn't do it for free, but there is like a bartering system, Yeah, and that's just part of this creative and, thing. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day where they were like, and he's like, uh, it's my cousin's roommate, Keenan, and he's great, and he he is signed with an agency, everything. He's booking rad work for Nike and all this stuff, and he was saying like, yeah, you know, sometimes we're coordinating shoots, and like we were just talking about some people expecting other people to like pick up the bill for them. And he was like, yeah, like sometimes we're not getting paid and it's like a cool photographer and a makeup artist and whoever with a vision and we just want to make what we want to make for our own selves. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that, I mean, that's part of modeling that I think a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. That it is, <laughs> that it is art too. Uh, and so and you need to, there's a like, lot to, of, a lot of the, the yeah, value is just in the doing it. In doing it and, yeah. and taking that risk of something that, uh, that you want to be cast for and, um, What's amazing to me is a lot of casting directors and people who do casting are not able to have a vision on their own. So like mm. I've done some acting and modeling and like I was doing an audition the other day for something and the casting agent was like, hey, you're great and you got everything right. But can you put on some lip color? And I was like, y yeah, sure. And she was like, it's just because they're not going to be able to visualize lip color on you. Yeah. And I was like, that's wild because I I literally have lips. It's not like you're saying like put on a wig. You know, like, yes. And, and so it's yes, interesting that like, check you, you need out to show. As the, <laughs> check you out. You're up here on your model game. Like, uh, you, do you see? Well, I'm just like, I, my lips are there. I came in they could exactly just... how I was supposed to be. <laughs> Yo, that's what I'm trying to press upon. Kayla is, uh, well, one, they will put makeup on her. Mm -hmm. And she'll all the while know that, like, this isn't what we need. And yeah. then the photographer will look at her and go, can we just wash all that off? Because, like, how she walked in is how we want her. Well, yeah, because she also has a perfect face. Because she's perfect, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> she can just make an obscene amount mm -hmm. of money. And that is the most frustrating thing for me with her work is I don't necessarily know. To, uh, the self-deprecating artist in this is like, you know, um, are we going to be gazillionaires? But then we can look at one another and be like, oh, you're, yeah, you're both gonna good at what you do. It. You're going to yeah. crush it. She's going to crush it. And she's going to just be the sugar mom 100%. <laughs> just putting it out there. Yeah, she's great. It, and it, it's just weird because it is one of those things that, like, it's there 
and then you're just waiting for like the right casting thing to like align itself or whatever like it's an odd it's not like with music where you can like put out your own stuff into the world and make it happen mm. like and with modeling to some extent you can like there's a lot of people who mm-hmm. set up their own shoots and do that and then grow on instagram and then eventually get hired but that's like its right. own hustle right and it, it is really interesting in fact um i do plan on having like with you like we're here talking about producing but i intend on talking to several i kind of want to do like a series of producers because yeah. what you do and your background and being a touring guitarist is a totally different thing than like the hip-hop producers i know who like yeah. that's their world because that's a totally in our different... back studio right now there's a hip-hop session going on i don't know if people could hear the bass bumping throughout our podcast here but yeah. i don't know if they can i don't know if they can hear that or if they can hear the airplanes landing i'm not sure yeah yeah we're in the Time city this is the urban urban environment right now, i'm just sure. north of hollywood just north of hollywood <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the production uh the producers uh of you know this trap scene maybe have a different experience than I do, but at the end of the day, it's art, and so it is. It ought to be wildly different. It ought to yeah. be as completely unique as can be. You know, <laughs> definitely. Um, who you who you else do you want to interview? Who does what I do? Well, I'm gonna tell you if they're worth your time. Huh. I don't necessarily. There's a few people I have in mind, but I've been noodling around with it. And then there's also a few people that I'm just gonna hit up and be like hey like you're a producer but they're like very kind of niche like who's a producer you respect and then i'll just hit them up on my own yeah um but i'm kind of i have like a little bit of a decision matrix that goes into doing all this um and one of the elements in it is like how obviously like how rad is someone's personality so i don't want to reach out to anybody until i know what their vibe is Mm. because less than ideal is having someone on here who's like a yes and no answer kind of person or like whatever like i just right and some producers are like that (laughs) a lot of producers because they're like like the behind the scenes dudes although less and less because now producers are artists and it is like much more of a hodgepodge of stuff like my friend jayhawk i'm I'm thinking of asking him we were at a party last night and we were just having fun so i didn't want to bring it up but he's he's a really rad producer and he went from doing like uh like very much uh big in like the whole uh jerk movement like he was in the rejects Sick. Um, oh it's dude from the rejects yeah yeah do you know him through ski or malcolm no? through malcolm yeah was malcolm in the rejects no 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 oh, okay <laughs> they're bald like they're like skinny you know what i mean like i could see him being <laughs> but in that they group. like i don't really know how they know each other but they've they've known each other for a while and so i've been thinking about asking yeah. him um cool because he's such a good person so and what's he's like he doing? the nicest guy he's making records yeah cool and he did you know what's cool though is that he did a song with kitty pride who yeah. i think is like rad and Hell yeah um i think he did one also he's done like a few different cool things and oh, we've hung great. out a couple times in the last few years and i i kind of want to do like a d- drum and dj set with him I think me and really kick fun. mix did something with them i think <laughs> like through dj ski we did because i can oh, i can remember the dude's denim jacket it had said rejects on the back it was a cool ass jacket were you at that fantasy factory thing with us is that why no i had i missed that day that was i was on tour day. and that i missed the fantasy factory day. day is that place even there anymore i don't know oh how did i miss that day you That's missed that fucked. day and that was the same day that we did a show with uh oh my gosh uh theophilus london and friendly fires and oh it was awesome. my it was God. such it was probably one of like just such a good day of lined up rad activities yeah that, that is, was also i was missing all and i don't mean to be a weirdo then. and like n- not it's not even really a name drop it's just more of an extreme like uh thing drop but yeah. like at that party will i am arrived on a helicopter oh straight up <laughs> like it was the weirdest it was a very rad odd party will i am uh 
on a helicopter sounds absolutely spot on appropriate yeah. yeah he's such a lovely man it was just they like put a, out a so comic funny. book too matter of fact this is really little, this is a, on, like black eyed peas did or like yeah, black eyed peas okay. yeah it's called masters of the sun and uh they have been part of the inspiration into the falconry comic book that's super cool yeah is it really i'm actually i assume kind of like gorillas had something to do with it gorillas uh probably have done it best yeah because they're so far yeah, they're. But do you whole... know what? So did Coheed and Cambria. What? Really? Kid. Yeah, Co- you know, Coheed, every one of their lyrics is <laughs> from the comic book. It's all a story. That's how little. You know, I Coheed look into the and Cambria are the two, the, the, her- the hero and heroine of the story. I knew nothing of that. Yes, Coheed and Cambria. I had no idea where their name from. Keeping came the secrets from. of Silent Earth. Yeah, so Coheed did it great. I mean, shit, Kiss did it well. There's a lot of people who have been. Um, have put sounds and visuals together in really awesome, kick-ass, left-of-center, childish ways. And I, too, am doing that. And I'm so happy to hear I'll that. Share, I'll share it um, with all y'all. What else, before we like wrap this up, what yeah. else do you feel like you would want people to know about the behind-the-scenes of being a producer? Like, if, if you had to get a message out there to people who want to produce and do what you do? Uh, <laughs> like, tips of the trade. Yeah. Or even just things to keep in mind. It, it, tips of the trade for sure or something like inspirational, something that you're like, hey, I wish that I would have like come to this conclusion earlier on in my career, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's a great question. One. Hmm. You can have, you don't need to have just one. You can yeah. Have a few. Man, I don't know because it's such like a personal journey that totally. everybody should just do whatever it is they're doing. But um, they're is way more shame in not sharing your whatever it is you're working on than there is in sharing whatever it is you're working on. So Don't make such strong eye contact with me when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> and like I'm saying when I'm talking about like I'll tell I'm talking myself as much as I'm talking to you or anybody else out there, you know, it's like totally reflective. So um but I think young people these days totally get that. They don't have shame. People don't even experience shame anymore. But if you are experiencing shame as a creative, uh, it's way more shameful to create, to be a conduit for beauty and then not share it. I think that uh, setting it free in whatever way you do, either online or in a gallery or at a coffee shop or whatever, I think that that's way cooler. Even at your, even on your worst day, it's cooler to to go out there and give it out there. That's one. And number two that's is so beautiful. yeah, cool. I hope that I will live up to it one day. And then number two is no more free shit. <coughs> Says my partner Jimmy Gooch. Just shout out to Jimmy. Yeah, teacher. be uh, demand your value and. Um, don't feel like anybody's doing you any favors by booking you at the show or asking you to do a remix. Uh, they're not doing you any favors. Like this is art is like the most heavy thing ever. So no more free shit, you know? I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the question that I ask everybody at the end of their interview is what area do you want to hear like a podcast like episode like this about like what area or like final product do you want to hear the behind the scenes of or a specific person like either neil, one goes. neil gaiman neil 
G-A-I-M-A-N. I still don't know if it's Gaiman or Gaiman. I've just become a super fan of his. Okay. He wrote Coraline, the film Coraline. Oh, wow, yeah. That's how people who are not immersed in comic book <laughs> and sci-fi culture know him is through that movie. But mm -hmm. he actually has created an obscene amount of fantastic stories and worlds and i am j this year i'm literally reading everything that he's written really? i went to the iliad yesterday okay. which is a kick-ass used bookstore in uh, a town just north of hollywood called north hollywood and i bought a new neil gaiman book anyhow i would love to have you uh either interview that dude who lives in la or yeah i'm just into like writers right now people who write awesome. fiction i don't even know who these people are they're so quiet and and behind yeah. literally behind the scenes like you know what i'm saying like we're out here <coughs> pretending as producers and podcasters that we're like behind the scenes we ain't fucking behind the scenes right these people who like novelists yeah novelists are behind the fucking it's amazing scenes. yeah and these people are nuts because they're like conjuring up these worlds you know like i gotta write a three minute song and it only has to make sense within the context of that three minutes yeah people who like create a whole novel it anyhow you get it and so i that's that's my answer that's awesome thank you and yes. thanks for being on yeah thank you hey we made it uh i know that was a long one some of these uh, tend to do that, which I don't mind. I have a really good time. I know that I enjoy it on other podcasts when people are really into what they're doing and a great conversation is going. Uh, hopefully you feel that was a great conversation. Anyways, please do look up Drew on social. His handle is falconry on Instagram. It's linked to in the description of this podcast. You can also just look up Drew DeCaro um, and he will pop up on Instagram and Twitter. DeCaro is spelled D-E-C-A-R-O. And obviously, if you could subscribe, rate, review this podcast, that is super helpful. It's also great if you share this with friends. If you know someone who would be into this, please do send it to them. If you want to support this way in other ways uh, outside of everything I just listed, please feel free to directly Venmo me at Lene-Cook. Uh, you can use promo codes for Hotel Tonight or Soothe, which are two of my favorite services that I have promo codes for. Um, Hotel Tonight is pretty self-explanatory. What it doesn't also explain in the title is that they're really quality hotels and it's a really easy booking system. Um, you can download the app and then on your first booking, use lcook 61 to save on your first stay. The hotels are super quality. I've enjoyed every stay that I've had with them. And then as you work your way up their points, which is actually pretty easy to do, you get discounts on future hotel stays as well as really great in-app concierge services. Because if you're anything like me, you like to request rooms that have a bath uh, because I like to take baths because they're really nice. And fun fact, I learned this after a breakup, that laying in a warm bath releases whatever chemical it is that you get when you are getting hugged. So um, if you're lonely, take a bath. It does the same thing uh, and a bath won't break up with you. It will just maybe someday break. Uh, the other app that I like is called Soothe. Um, Soothe is for in-home massages. You can get it in most major cities. 
it's super great. You can book sports massages, um, prenatal, couples massages, deep tissue, and I think Swedish is the other option. I'm a big kind of sport massage. I work out fairly frequently and I think I put my body through a decent amount um, and I find it really helpful for getting into my hamstrings and hips and quads and um, being, you know, on a computer and then also playing drums and taking photos does the same thing to your back, um, which is make it hunchy. And so they really help get in there um, and get into my forearms, which is something that as a drummer get pretty tense. Um, Soothe is awesome. If you download the app, you can check it out and then use code LZ, LRZ to save $20 on your massage. That will then save me $20 on my next, next massage. And the rates are pretty competitive. Like it, it definitely looks pricey on the upfront, but um, you know, you don't have to travel somewhere, which means you don't have to pay for parking slash Uber or whatever it is that you do to get places. Um, and they come straight to your house, which means that when I'm done, I basically just go straight to bed, which I love. Um, because nothing is less relaxing than getting a massage and then hopping on a very bouncy bus for 20 or 30 minutes to go home. So please do use those. Recommend this app to other people. Share it with people. Um, any good pull quotes you want to pull, do let me know what those are. I would love to hear what parts you like best, what you learn from. Um, hopefully some of this helped offer just some like moral support. And thanks so much for listening. Uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lene Cook, L-Y-N-A-E-C-O-O-K. And if you are in touch with Drew's request, request, um, man, I'm spacing on his name. I think it's Neil Gammon, Neil Gaiman. Uh, I think Drew went back and forth on this as well. Um, I looked him up and saw that he has a speaking opportunity or speaking um, thing coming up in May of 2019, which I think Drew and I might go check out. But if you know anybody who knows him and can help get him on that would be insane it would be super awesome um so please do just keep you know the feelers out for that thanks again and have a great day